Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everyone. And Senior Archie Mitchell. Hola. And we will be joined by Mark Brew here soon. Uh, I apologize. I don't know why. I don't know if you guys have it on your end. I guess I'll hear it when I do the editing, but I'm getting a little bit of an echo on my end. I don't know why. So for anybody that hears that, I apologize <laughs> for that this week. But it is what it is. And if you, don't like gonna... it, if you don't like it, you can, like, you know, start sending Nate money to get better stuff. Right. <laughs> or make, like, the WWF and get the F out. The, uh, the, the topic, of course, this week, as it has been for... Well, we've done this. Will be oh, like God, the ninth by the episode. Way, oh, by Go the ahead. way, you never did comment or like what I put over that guy that we were talking about when I said, "If you're here to be antagonistic or promoting your little podcast, don't do that." That's what Nate Maxson doesn't pay me for. <laughs> <laughs> I probably missed it, <laughs> even if you tagged me in it. Sometimes I miss shit, but. Yes, and hey, we want to say this before we start. Don't join join our join our Facebook group, the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Facebook group. Every once in a while, we get a little salty with somebody, but overall, it's a great experience. Everybody the has a good is, time. The only rule is don't be a dick. Right. Be a human being. It's that easy. Now, like I said at the beginning, here we are continuing our journey through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. The first one. From 1991, I guess technically 1990, but it was published in 1991. Last week, we left off with a number 84, Big Bully Busick was the last guy we discussed last week. And it sounded like we were all, you know, fairly okay with Big Bully Busick. He wasn't, yeah. A, yeah. He wasn't nothing offensive about the bully. Um, no, no. And, and um, just real quick, you were just on Mr. Arezzi's show, correct? Yes, I did last night. As we were recording last and, night, I recorded with John Arezzi on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight and, and, Newsletter podcast, or the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast. Bob, I'm assuming Bob Smith was on there. Yes, he was. I actually discussed uh, the fact get, that we're going through this. Did you get to ask him about the uh, Ken Patera rating or whatever? All right, everybody, we're back. We're recording again. Uh, my internet provider totally crapped out on us so i've switched to my phone excuse the audio and to answer aaron's question like i was going to uh when i talked to bob about the pwi 500 he actually asked me when i said we were doing 91 he said it was number 500 he said the only guy i ever really shit on pretty much were his words and when i did a 500 was morgus the maniac that guy was useless and I said, no, nope, Morgus wasn't in this one. 500 was Zeus. And there, then we reminisced about Zeus. But but it was cool to talk to Bob and John. And I will let everybody know when that podcast is going to air. It was a good experience. Talked to two wrestling historians. And actually, like I said, Bob Smith was the guy that wrote this magazine that we're reviewing. So, And, and I've, I just recently, when you talked about, just real quick, since he had you on his show, I'll say I've started getting back into uh, Mr. John Arezzi's podcast after he left where he left. And honestly, I think it's better. I think it's a better setup for it. I agree. Absolutely. It comes off more natural. Yeah. And it's an actual show. It's not just like, oh, this happened. Like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So anyway, here we go. Number 83 in the PWI 500, the first one. 
is Jeff Gaylord. Six three two fifty five six years pro. The Missouri Tiger boasts a fine physique, huge arms and upper body, and his backbreaker and bear hugs captured the USWA tag title with Jeff Jarrett in nineteen ninety. Oh, I'm sure his bear hugs were really good, Mister Gaylord over there. <laughs> I always giggle when I hear his name. I don't know why. Yeah, you know what? When he said it, the, like my head first yeah. thing it went to was Gaylord Foster. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, but Jeff yeah. is a good talent. He, uh, but, he, I've seen a couple of good matches of his. He definitely worked well with Jeff Jarrett. So, but apparently, a wild man. And seriously, um, in real life, yes. I was just gonna say, um, I know you, you guys. I, I, we're plugging John Rezzi too, but there's crime in sports. There's a Jeff Gaylord episode of that. He had a fucking crazy life, but. Um, you can't take a you can't discount the guy's look. Right. No. Like I mean he was ripped like Luger almost and, and kinda resembled Salvatore Sincere. Like his legs were like the size of me. It's fucking nuts. And and I just I think that the reason he never got any further than what he did was because of his extracurricular activities, I should say. Hey. Oh, and sure uh, his demons kept him out, yeah. Last note on Jeff, he was also one of the Knights at the Survivor Series 1993. Yes, yes. yes he was. Jerry Lawler's Knights, but were Shawn Michaels' Knights by the ending of the show because, yes, Jerry, because Jerry Lawler was spending some nights and some days in court. So yes. Yes. His brother his brother made it bigger, but I mean... Who's his brother? I didn't know he had war. a brother in the right. His brother, War. His brother, War. War? Ah. Okay. War guy, Lord? No. Warlord. <laughs> <laughs> Number 82, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 6'3", 280, 14 years pro, mega popular WWF star. Brought college football, sensibility to wrestling. Favorite finishing maneuver is the three-point stance into a clothesline. Before we get into anything, I would like to say that yesterday or in the last couple of days, Hacksaw announced that he is completely and utterly cancer-free. Yep, got to ring the bell. And I, I am uh, congratulations. Thank God for his healing. And I hope that he continues to be a healthy and happy man into his much, much older age. Has anybody, has anybody in the history of the world put the punches to cancer more than Jim Duggan has? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and as of 91, great talent. He was a nice, he was a very nice man when I met him. He signed a, like at a convention. Um, he, he took time for people. Um, one of the guys in front of me, he took way too much time for. But um, he's the guy that I know a lot of times, I like, like Nate, you know I talk about it all the time, like where people are like, oh, when they went to the WWF, they ruined him. You know what I mean? Like when people say that about like the Bushwhackers or the whatever, he is a guy that I will say I enjoy way more away from the WWF than I did when he was in the WWF. I enjoyed him at all times. Yeah, I liked him in WWF. I, I enjoyed him more in WCW, though, because he was getting a bigger push. Well, well no, I mean, like, um, before he went there. Like, like him and, like, mid and all that. Um, right. They just kind of took Duggan and just kind of one-dimensional him. That's not a word. <laughs> 
they they took his character and they just made it like one dimension. You know what I mean? But when he was in like well, yeah. and shit, it was he, he's a guy that I can say, yeah, I, I I enjoyed his work way more out of the WWF than in it. I, as a child, I like I always loved watching when when Duggan would come on the TV. It was like he like his gimmick to me is like that ruffian, mentally challenged cousin that you may have. Oh God. <laughs> and it, it's just it's over with me and one of my favorite meet and greets that the asylum done and he uh he's you know he sent out the extra pro wrestling all-star card with uh with his autograph on it but on the 8 by 10 that I got he said to Marky and I'm like what the f- <laughs> <laughs> but two things they'll say like like when I did his meet and greet he signed my card um, he, he and then he did like a paint marker with it or whatever and then he went to hand it back to me when he went to hand it back to me he dropped it and it flipped and it landed like um, signature side down onto the table and he was like oh man I hope they didn't mess it up brother or whatever I picked it up and it was fine but as I was picking it up, he's like, if it messes up a little bit, man, I'll just sign one of these ones I got over here. You can have both of them. And I was just like, no, it's, it's cool, man. Like, oh, like he, he didn't have to be like that. You know what I mean? He could have just been like, you dumbass, you dropped your card, get the fuck out. <laughs> but then the other thing I'll say is he has one of my favorite um, moments in broadcast wrestling history. And it, it wasn't even him. Like, he's in the match. I think he's fighting, like, the gambler or something on a worldwide and he's coming out, and the match starts, and as it starts, and this is like in like 99 or 2000 or whatever, Tony Schiavone says, Hacksaw Jim Duggan in there, he's a thinking man's wrestler. And then during the <laughs> entire match, which is like four and a half minutes, Bobby Heenan is just going, <laughs> <laughs> Just laughing that Tony Schiavone said he's a thinking man's wrestler. Last uh, I will say about Jim is that uh, he is a sweetheart. We had him on an asylum meet and greet, and he didn't want it to end. You know, we had it plumped for like, I think David had and, and Nick and them had it plumped for like four hours. And at the four hour mark, he's like, look, if there's anybody else that still wants to meet me, and, you know, I'll chill. I'm not in any rush. You know, like Aaron said, he, he talked to everybody. He told stories. He gave us, you know, uh, advice and things like that. He, he was absolutely great. And in 91, he was really just coming into his own WWF. I Like I said, I think I liked him more in WCW, though, because he had a few good matches with guys like Steve Austin and Big Bubba in those Pink Fist matches. So I'm a high-call fan. And and observing him at that hall, at the observing, observe, I can't speak, observing him, at that convention, I did notice one thing too. His wife runs the Hacksaw Jim Duggan business, man. Yeah, she but, does. Like she's she, she's not a dick about it, but like if people no, are no. a little too far, a little too long, or whatever, she's like, you got to get, get out of here. Get, get. She was she. It looks like she handles her business. And Jim Duggan, like I said, he's the guy that I can say in the WWF. I wasn't his biggest fan outside of it. Love him. But he is 
he is a talent and he is a legend and yeah. Number number eighty one, Gary Young, six foot two forty, fourteen years pro. Veteran star has shocked the sport by becoming a fan favorite, formerly a member of Skandor Akbar's stable, now a top contender for the global North American title. Um, I remember watching Gary Young and Global and thinking the same thing. I think about him that I think about that I always Aaron knows this, that I always thought about Jim Garvin. He looks sleazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the porn stash and then he looks like he, he's reacting to uh to, to Shivani or whoever Aaron said said that about Hacksaw. Like in the promo picture he's like <laughs> Yeah. I read about him I, I, on his Wikipedia. I think he had a he had a good run at Chili's. I know that. Like after his <laughs> now it, manager at Chili's. If you said like a pizza joint, I, I would definitely believe that because he definitely got the eighties pizza boy porno stash. Oh, <laughs> Chili's guy, but um, I just. He was a Texas guy, and that's kind of like his bread and right now He was more te- yeah, he was Texas. Yes, yeah, he was a Texas guy. All right, number eighty, Samu, six four, two sixty, ten years pro, son of Safa of the son of Safa Safa Afa of the original Wild Samoans as a fine athlete, blessed with size, strength, and a surprisingly effective aerial skills. A member of the SST. And behind behind the scenes, on the road, whatever, uh, everything I've read, he's a he was a badass motherfucker. Like he was like he was like a Yoko where he was into some shit and you didn't you didn't fuck with that guy. He had seven different ring names. That's something new I just learned. And he and Fatu, man, they were a bad ass tag team. For sure. We have, yeah, they, they. I didn't know them that well as the Samoan squad team, but as the head shrinkers, I I enjoyed them as a tag team. Um, and then when he, I, well, obviously when they were looking to push Fatu, uh, we we know how that went, and you know he kind of floundered and didn't really get nowhere. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed Samu a lot in the early nineties and the the mid nineties. And you can push Fatu all you want to. I'm not gonna attempt that. Right, are you back trying to push Fatu? He he's another guy of everything I read. It was the reason he kind of was in and out, in and out of places was because of his uh, like I said extracurricular activities and demons. But as a worker, fucking great, in my opinion. Number seventy nine, one of the all time greats, Roddy Piper. Yes. Eighteen years pro retirement rumors account for this ranking. There you go. There's one of the best. One of the best, if healthy, but has been plagued by injuries. Among the most flamboyant personalities in history. Yeah, he would have been commentating at this point, wasn't he? What's that? He was more commentating at this point, wasn't he? He was. He was. uh, He was kind of. yeah, through 1990, he was commentating. Then early 91, he started up the thing with Virgil, being Virgil's, like, inspiration or whatever in his yeah. feud with DiBiase. Because he doesn't get back into the ring until they need him to in 92 when Brent gets Flair. sick. And they bring in Flair. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Flair. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Flair he's first. Flair before that. 
And that was a brilliant fucking move. Like, I don't care what anybody says. And I feel that was Pat Patterson, that Flair's coming into this company. He's been in the NWA for fucking, what, 20 years? And right. he's coming in, and this he's, he's knows, and it's like, all right, let's, but I, I guarantee that was Patterson going fence. We got to put him with Piper so he's fucking comfortable. Right. He's got history with Piper. Why not? Like, it's his best that, 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 and some, that and somebody who's not a viewer of the WWF that's scrolling through the channels and sees Roddy Piper and Ric Flair is going to go, oh, I might stop here and watch this. Right. Yeah. But that, I, I, wholeheartedly believe that was a whole just let's make him comfortable when he gets here. Like the first guy you're going to work with is Piper. All right. I can, I, I can do that. You know? And well, I mean, uh, ahead, also like in that year that we're in on the year that was, I really enjoyed that when they were both in WCW also. Yeah. That was them at the point where they, they, they were established. They had their money, and they could just have fun. And, right. Um, Piper wasn't my favorite commentator in the WWF, but he's one of my top five favorite WWF performers of all time. He he had his moments on commentary, though. You know what I mean? He wasn't always uh, a, a loud voice, but when he wanted to be, he could. Uh, I heard him talk about during a, a shoot interview. That him, when they put Randy Savage and him on commentary, one night Savage like, yeah, Roddy, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna, you know, make my presence felt and talk and do. So he's okay. Go ahead, Randy. I'll sit back. Don't worry. And then he decided to just go word for word whatever Savage was saying. He was <laughs> talking over him. And by the end of the night, they get backstage and Savage like, damn, Roddy, you really took the, the wind out of my sails. And Piper was like, brother, it's my show. I was here first. <laughs> yeah, Savage, Piper, and Vince was a little too much. Right, right. Three Gold. egos. I just remember Roddy's commentary. Uh, first off, he always called, because we're talking about 90-91, so we'll talk about the commentary. But first off, he always called Bobby Boobsy. And, yeah. and whenever describing a Royal Rumble, he would always say, there's 30 guys back there. They got hair on their teeth. And I, I don't know why, but I always thought that was a cool line. They got hair on their teeth. <laughs> Number 78, Kevin Von Erich. Yes. 6'2", 235, 13 years pro. Scientific Marvel, Marvel just keeps on going. Recognized by the IWCCW as world-class champion. The older brother of Carrie and Chris, Great Claw. Kevin, Kevin was, the, he was the lanky, the lankiest yes. of the of the Von Erich brothers. Probably the most agile, though. I was going to say he's the be- he was the better he was the best worker of them all. In I like Lance better. <laughs> I, get, out, like, get out of here! You're fired. <laughs> my thing, my thing is that like, you know, not to overshadow Kevin, but for Kerry to work with that that one leg and. You never, you're like, you not really be able to tell it at first. That that says a lot to you know just how they were trained, anyways. Oh, it does. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin worked barefoot, and Kerry worked no foot. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking any of the other brothers. It's kind of like when we were talking about the Armstrongs. Like, you, you can't say any of the Armstrongs are bad or find a hole in any of their game. 
but like Steve, he was the best worker at all of them. He might have not been the best talker or anything like that. Like in the Von Erics, David was probably the best talker, but um, and and Carrie looked the best, you know. Carrie was was they call in independent wrestling rat bait. He was the, yeah. what the women wanted to yeah. see, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but Kevin was Kevin was hands down the best in ring worker of the of the Von Erics. Aaron. They all look like horses, though. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> the chicks are just looking at the body. They're like, "Oh, don't, don't, don't show me that face." Hey, Aaron. don't pan up. Don't pan up. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was thinking about something the other day because I got the um, and and you, yeah, I, you can answer this question, um, just because I know you, you will know what I mean. I got the mean Mark Callis figure. All right, the Legends yeah, figure. I have that one. And and I was looking at the the picture of. And, and, and I mean, a lot of times you don't think about mean Mark. You know what I mean? It's not in your brain. But then I was thinking when I looked at it, and then I'm thinking about that. Do you think that Fritz really saw something in Mark? Because if you look at him, he resembles David at that time. Kinda. Good call. Good call. And, and I think he looked at him also as a is a big motherfucker, and he ain't gonna look out of place with my boys and all that. But yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I think. But anyway, that's beside the point. We we're talking about Kevin. Like I said, great athlete, good wrestler. Eh, not a great promo, but none of them really were. Other than Aaron, like Aaron said, David number seventy-seven. Now this guy was a great promo. The Mountie. 6'2", 232, 12 years pro, formerly known as Jacques Rougeau, managed by Jimmy Hart, uses policeman's shock stick to zap opponents in the midst of a violent war with the big boss man. And who will ever forget the Mountie going to jail? <laughs> Fuck you people that would shit on it. That's great sports entertainment. Yes, it is. We just talking about that on the spotlight. I'm an officer of the law. I'm an officer of the law. You can't do this to me. <laughs> Yeah, him go him going to jail was great, and he's a fucking talent. And I know that a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of the boys didn't like him because they they that he kind of rubbed people the wrong way, and he's kind of high on himself or whatever. But a lot of them, a lot of them French Canadian guys always have been. But he 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 was really talented. He was a great heel, and. He took his natural dislikability and emphasized it on TV and did a yep. great job in any role that he was in. He's still, he's still wrestling, isn't he? Uh, I think he just recently retired. Is, was he ever a face in his career? And I don't mean yeah. when the Rougeos yeah, first they, started. They were faces. They were they were faces in WWF. Yeah, first, but, I mean that didn't last very long. What would it last? Like six months and then they joined Jimmy Hart and you know. I'm talking about as a solo guy. I, I mean he I was am a fan. he was I'm sorry, I, I am a fan solo of the wise or whatever he never was, but when he was in when he was in a when he was in Montreal Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, he was he was a face, but other than I that little a, Oh, go ahead, Nate, sorry. I was just gonna say I'm a huge fan of the Mountie gimmick. Trans, and, and also, as it morphed into a Quebecer, I'm a fan of the Quebecers, of course. But Definitely. we're talking we're talking about the Mountie here. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Mountie gimmick. I think that it was um, 
it was a perfect parlay to be a heel in the cartoony WWF. Um, and it was, it was Jacques and Jimmy Hart doing over the top at its very best. Right. Yeah. The only time, the only time, the only time where I would say it got stupid, I didn't like it when he got like the gigantic shock stick. Yeah, that was when they started adding the sound effect and all that. Yeah, that that was lame. But it led to Roddy Piper pulling off the, you know, wearing the uh, wetsuit underneath it, so that kind of worked out. Yeah, that was fun, but the the sound effect and all. Do you guys know why his song was "I'm Not the Mountie"? Do you know why it became that? Because the Royal Mounted Police. <laughs> we're, Seriously, uh, we're upset with the WWF. Really, presenting the Mountie as being a yeah. heel. When when so, he when he when, when, when he wrestled in when he wrestled in Canada, he wore the Mountie outfit, but he wrestled a shock Rougeau. They didn't call him the Mountie in Canada. So in Canada, he was like, "I'm not the Mountie. <laughs> pants I'm brave and I'm strong." Like that's why they had to do that. We want you to present it like the Dudley Do Right. We are right. <laughs> Number seventy six. Unless you had something on the, I don't think you chimed in, Archie, on the Mountie. No, I mean, everybody said what they what, what I was going to say. I agree. Number seventy six, the Diamond Stud, six eight two ninety seven years pro. Huge Mauler is the latest addition to Diamond Dallas Page's Diamond Exchange. Favorite finisher is his diamond death drop, a reverse power bomb, and we all know who that is. The diamond stud, hey yo, this Scott Hall. Um, oh wait, wait, I was gonna say he never really became anything, but fine. If you want to spoil it, go ahead. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared from WCW, and then I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, but yeah, it diamond <laughs> stud. Um, obviously, cool look. Obviously, very cool look. Scott Hall never didn't have a cool look. But no. um, Gator Scott Hall was kind of uh, well, I, but no, for his for that time, it was a cool look. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> big, big, beautiful mustache, <laughs> <laughs> blonde hair. Yeah, almost blonde he, hair. He's he's a guy that can almost be like how we were talking about, like that, uh, like. WCW being not being able to see the forest for the trees. Like, how do you not look at this guy and say, we need to put a fucking rocket ship on him? Right. I mean, like, he's big. Like, he could have, like, I think if Dusty would have been in charge, like, fully in charge, he would have been, like, this is, this is Magnum TA. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. this is where we could go with him, and the WCW just did they they didn't do right with him, in my opinion. Well, Scott, I mean, a, uh, Scott had a really interesting early career with his time in AWA, WCW. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, the Diamond Stud was the precursor to Razor Remote. Let's, I mean, all he was missing was the chains and the. The, yeah. the accent. Um, and that's the other... Oh, sorry, Arch. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. That, that's what I was going to say. Like, he's the guy that when... Because remember when he left WC, when he left for WCW, they tried to say, oh, he's uh, infringing on the gimmick that we built for him here. Right. He's like, I was doing all that shit before I got Right. To 
in the late 80s all and 90s. I, all I did was change, like, the Diamond Stud character was fucking Razor Ramon, just without the right. accent. Fuck, like, he's like, I was still doing the toothpick, I had the slick hair. Yeah. Chamber of Horrors, man. Oh God! Watching that. (laughs) Poor Abdullah. Number seventy-five is a guy everybody that listens to the show knows that I am a big mark for. Especially back when I was a younger man, I really dug him his look and everything. He may not have been the greatest worker, but goddamn it, I love the Warlord. Six five, three sixty, five years pro in a sport filled with powerful men. Warlord's physique still stands out. Formerly teamed with Barbarian as the Powers of Pain, has become a WWF World Title contender. I like the Warlord. I always did. I thought he had a good look for what his style was supposed to be. He wrestled a good style, and I just I dug him, man. I thought the Warlord was cool as shit back in the day. No, I, I agree with you. He was a powerhouse. He had a look. Uh, even when they put the Phantom of the Opera silver, you know, uh, <laughs> mask on him. But I never thought that he should have left with the Barbie. I think they should have stayed as the powers of pain for longer and maybe had a title run. Because if anybody needed a title, you know what I mean? He deserved at least one run, you know, with something. And Mm -hmm. his feud with Davey Boy got cut short. It was like whenever they started to give this guy traction, something would come around and pull the the rug from underneath him. I just always remember back in the day, like, I wish they'd give him a run with Hogan. He would have been a great right. opponent for Hogan around the horn. They're equally right. jacked, and it would have been the first time that he looked and was like, maybe Hulkamania ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 it's, and on paper and looking at the guys, okay, it shouldn't have worked, but it did. Like, him and Slick just worked. Yeah, like, right. These guys shouldn't be together. <laughs> that was almost what made it cool was like how did this how did this skinny black pimp wind up with this gym rat yes yeah. this, but, but Slick had the like, way of doing that though he did it with Akeem he did it with Warlord you know Akeem. what I mean like him and Akeem like to dance together and shit <laughs> like, yeah like, but Akeem was was originally the one man game so it was like it was just a weird you know what I mean but Slick had a way of Making you believe, yeah, these two guys can hang out together, no big deal. Like Akeem, because Akeem's allowed at the cookout. You know what I mean? Like, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> remember, remember when we were talking about my uh, my very first memory of wrestling was with that uh, Rampage '91 VHS. Yeah, like literally, like that's the match that stuck out the most on that whole entire tape to me. Was when I was a child was Carrie versus Warlord. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, good few. Like, like ask Archie. We talked about this, you know, not in this setting, you know, for the podcast. Like that is my. That's what got me into wrestling. Right. It's it's a visual. He just pops on the screen. He looks like a monster, and if you're not thinking about work rate, he looks like a guy that would be in that ring whooping somebody's ass. You know, yeah. he's like Sid. He's if you're gonna yeah. draw a wrestler, that's what you're gonna draw. Number 74, Al Perez. I'm not a fan. Anyway, 6'1", 238, <laughs> nine years pro, Latin heartthrob, handsome but cold-hearted, former world-class champion, has also competed in the WWF and WCW. Brother is the promising Lou Perez. I was never a fan of Al Perez. I no, just didn't, he missed the I don't mark. Know. He missed What's the mark really funny? 
is he looks like uh, Gary Young. <laughs> that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an in-shape so, Gary Young. Unless anybody else has anything else, we'll just move on. Dave's butt. A view. Go ahead. 73, Hercules. Yeah. 6'2", 255, 11 years pro, powerful bodybuilder, a member of Power and Glory with Paul Roma, managed by Slick, has fluctuated between being a fan favorite and a rule breaker several times. At this time, Hercules is about to be, yeah, he's in Power and Glory, but he's almost about to be in a swan song yeah. with the WWF. Um, he's, he's, he, Nate, he's my warlord. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he's the guy that, um, to me, it's just he, he was fucking awesome, and I loved every incarnation of Hercules. I thought he was fucking awesome. Um, every story I hear about the guy, like he was a stand-up dude and was funny, and and like was a badass, but didn't have to let you know he was a badass. And just character-wise, I fucking loved him. And he looked like if he. If you put you in a fucking headlock, you squeeze your head off. Oh yeah, and I just I I am a Hercules fan. Yeah, his physique I, was definitely Herculean. Anyone here? If you want to hear a great story, here Jim Cornette talking about Hercules driving down the fucking interstate carrying a fucking car door. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And then they said, oh, I can't remember who it was, but they said they were in uh, Toronto and it gets so cold there that the um, like bus stops and shit have a button and it says push for heat. <laughs> and he's like, what happens if I push this? Does like a little midget come out and hit me with a chair? <laughs> <laughs> push for <laughs> episode of Jackass. <laughs> Idol, six foot two forty, nineteen years pro, began career began career as WWF strongman, wrestled as a rule breaker for many years, but has also been very popular, constantly feuding with Jerry Lawler, cunning foe. Said Austin Idol, cut out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he was a homesteader, and I and nothing wrong with that. If if I went through what Austin Idol went through, I wouldn't want to travel anymore either. So I understand that. But um, I think if he would have, if he would have wanted to branch out, he could have been a bigger star than what he is. And also, you talked about heat. I mean, we joked about heat talking the Hercules story earlier. But you talk about heat. Um, anybody that wants to see what wrestling heat looks like, you watch when Austin Idol and Tommy Rich cut Jerry Lawler's hair. In the Mid South oh, yeah. Coliseum, that is yeah. the epitome of wrestling heat. That's the Memphis equivalent of the horseman breaking Dusty's leg. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they were able to make it out of the building that night after that. <laughs> you know, and that's I, when heels were heels, right? And I'm not gonna. I'm, say, heel. I'm not gonna go on anything and say that Austin Isles like was like a great worker or whatever, but that dude was the guy he's a guy that when they say talk him into the building, that's what he yeah. is. 
Right. He didn't have to really be that great of a worker anyways because he, he had that charisma. Just talk your ass off. Don't shut up. And, yeah, a mile a minute. He's great. Not going to have any many comments on the next guy. I won't because I don't even know who the fuck he is. But I mean, I, I need. I mean, I know the name, but I don't know that I've ever seen anything he ever did, and I don't know why he's ranked so high here. Seventy-one is Victor Zangiev. Ooh, is that five, a dude from Street Fighter? Five eleven, two thirty, three years pro, former Russian national amateur champion, has competed infrequently in pro rings, and when he does, it's usually in amateur style bouts in Japan or Germany. I am a student of the game. And a historian, but I don't know jack shit about Victor. So can we move on? Yeah, yeah please. You know I, I, how the hell did what? Who did he pay off to get on that list so high? Seventy-one. We're gonna call this episode "Skipping Victor." Who did he pay? I like it. I like it. Number seventy, <clears throat> Jim Neidhart, six-one, two seventy-five, twelve years pro. The Big Anvil is an outstanding tag team competitor. Neidhart and Bret Hart are two-time world tag team champions. Strictly a straight-ahead brawler. Gotta love Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yes. Greatest greatest goatee in the history of professional wrestling. And it's funny. I don't know. Mine is pretty good. It's (laughs) funny because I've been – I got, like, ahead of myself on – Watching note like watching shows and taking notes for my show, and I put this note in there. But I'm going to ask you guys now, Jim Neidhart, okay, mm-hmm. overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly rated. Properly rated. Yeah. I so too, and he wasn't like the greatest. Nate, would you consider him a big man wrestler? Um, I don't think big man. I think heater. He's a heater. Yeah, kind of like I'm like when I think about like size or whatever, like maybe like a Duggan. Yes, you know what I mean. Right. But I think in a tag team situation, he was perfect, especially with Brett, and he he was the quintessential character in my opinion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a character yeah, baby face or a character heel. This guy's fucking ridiculous and <laughs> his promos are funny and you believe that this guy's batshit crazy because guess what? He is. batshit <laughs> crazy. Yes, he has cocaine in his fanny pack. I guarantee it. Yes. My favorite <laughs> line I've ever heard anybody say about fucking Nightheart was Brett was going in the 92 SummerSlam and couldn't find Davey and Jim called Brett and he was like ah, Davey's messed up man he's smoking way too much crack and Brett was like how do you know and he's like because I'm doing it with him <laughs> what the hell? and then Vince McMahon when they said they were going to split up the hearts, the Heart Foundation, um, Brett was like, but what are you going to do with Jim? And Brett and Vince was like, why are you worried about Jim? I'm telling you, you're going to get the biggest singles push of your career so far. He goes, yeah, but but Jim, what are you going to do with Jim? And Vince looked at Brett Hart and said, Brett, don't worry. I can't fire Jim. He owes me too much money. <laughs> <laughs> 
all the time. <laughs> Maybe that's why his daughter's still performing for WWE. Right, trying to pay some money back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't worry about Jim. I can't fire him. He owes me too much money. And then Nate, cartel shit going on. Nate, you're gonna get this because you know how you you know this comment. How did Jim Neidhart and Lady Brett have such two <laughs> good-looking daughters? <laughs> A good question. They got their they they got their breasts from their father. <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoy Jim Neidhart and um I think that nobody would have done near as like well, and, and him what, and Brent were peanut butter and jelly. You know what I mean? What, I was I was I was just about to say to what you were saying earlier, and everybody knows how much I love the Midnights and how how much I love the Rockers and the Rock and Roll Express and Demolition. But still, to this day, my favorite tag team combination is Brett and Nightheart, and it's because, like you said, it was the perfect team. It was the technical master, and like I said, the heater, the big guy, and they the were, Rhino. They, I they describe were, him like a powerhouse. That and they worked well. They worked so well together and did so well together too because they were fucking best friends. Yeah, you know what I mean, like Brett was like this fucking crazy guy over here. This is like my. You get what I'm saying? Like, yep. yeah, that's why it fucking worked. Like, I love in the um, in the Wrestling with Shadows documentary when Brett's describing his 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 crew. He's like, "There's my brother Owen." He's, he's like the best high flyer wrestler around. And uh there's 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 my brother in law, Davey. He's the he's the strongest, freaky strong, strongest wrestler on 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 the roster. And, and there's and then he goes, and there's there's my brother in law Jim. Yeah, he's a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a character. <laughs> I fucking love that line. And if you haven't seen any Nightheart before WWF, also you know in Mid South or any of that, I mean he was he was uh, star potential, and and he's another guy that in the in the long run, you know, we got to tell the real story too. A lot of times he got in his own way. Oh yeah. As far yeah, as being a mega star, I think he's a great talent. Anything else on the anvil, guys? Well, it's like Nate was saying, talking about like he wasn't, you know, all that. Like he he was trying to consider him a big man wrestler, but the frame that he was on, his weight and his height, there were certain moves he's not gonna he's not gonna do like the lucha style or anything like that. But he's not the big goofy giant type. Yeah. More like Duggan, yeah. But that shit right. where like like he'd do that that shoot over the rope thing, you know, like where he'd be on the apron and he'd like projectile himself over it and hit like the shoulder tackles on the fucking people that he was wrestling or whatever. That was fucking impressive. I like Jim Knight. And I I'll tell you what, taking that move right there is a lot harder than people understand too. Um jumping up and over. It's fucking impressive. The next guy on the list is the guy that Aaron asked the question with Neidhart, you know, overrated, underrated, rated just right. I think, and you guys can disagree, but I think this guy's underrated. I agree. I really, I really enjoyed this guy, number 69, 
Iceman King Parsons. 5'10", 245, 12 years pro, St. Louis native, has forged an outstanding career, a two-time holder of the world-class title, defeating Chris Adams and Kerry Von Erich. I am a fan of Iceman King Parsons. He had a charisma. He could move. Um, I'm not going to say he was as charismatic as JYD, but he was up there. And I, I was I was a fan of Iceman. Yeah. I didn't watch enough of his stuff to say that I, you know, to really lay a my opinion on him, but from what I have seen, yeah, charismatic and, and definitely deserving of his ranking. Yeah, Nate, you might tell me if I'm wrong. You can if you want, but I'd put him as like it, and I'm not even saying this because of their complexion or whatever. I'd put him as like if you morphed the junkyard dog and Coco Beware together. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, that's what I'm saying. He was actually, you're right. He's, he was actually much closer to being Coco than JYD. JYD is a class unto himself. Yeah, but he's a bust in the ring. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say bust in the ring. He's not a worker. Right. But he had the charisma where Coco had, not as I'm not saying he was as charismatic as as JYD, but he could fucking work his ass off. So if it's like you take those two guys and like morph them together, that that's that's Iceman in my opinion. Number sixty eight. It's also the nope. Blackbird. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Put him number six. Bird. Number sixty eight. The Berserker. <laughs> seven years pro, huge rule breaker, has gone through several name changes, captured the PWI Rookie of the Year honors as the Barbarian in 1985, later known as Yukon John Nord and the Viking. My biggest memory of the Berserker was when he tried to murder the Undertaker. (laughs) His, His sword got stuck in the ring and just sat there for like five minutes. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that was a planned spot between them and the producers, or if those two just said, like, yeah, we're going to do something with the sword. Don't worry about it. You know did what you, I mean? Did you know he almost went to the WWF early in 1989, Archie? Really? Really? Yeah. Yes. They were actually, if you can believe it, they were actually considering, at that point, they were talking to Bruiser Brody. And they wanted okay. to bring they wanted to bring Bruiser Brody and John Nord in as a tag team. Damn. That would have been killer. That would have been like Don and Ron <laughs> Harris when they were the Bruce brother, you know what and, I mean? But better. And, and imagine yeah. if Brody went away to the WWF, he might still be alive. Let's be right. honest. Right. I'm Unless sorry, Jimmy it was 89, it was 88, I believe. Unless Jimmy Stucco would have worked with him, then he might have been dead. <laughs> and it's it's... I'm not saying John Nord was like a great worker or anything like that, but I actually like the Berserker gimmick. It's like I a guilty, too. it's a guilty pleasure for me, and it's one of my favorite um, figures that I have. And also, like you said about uh, about Warlord and Slick, Fuji and Berserker shouldn't have worked, but it did. Right, it did. It for some reason did the little black tuxedo man. And my giant, ba- my you know, Berserker. That one worked because he would just throw his opponent at like put the shit out of his opponent and then just throw him out of the ring. And then it was just this food you would kick him. <laughs> <laughs> Number sixty seven. Oh, sorry guys. 
I'm just saying it, it, it worked because Fuji laughed his ass off because Berserker was just kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't hard to believe neither that he would travel from, you know, Japan or whatever Oriental country that he was from to find him someone of that nature. He already had a Yokozuna, so maybe he's expanding now. Oh, Master Fuji traveled to Scandinavia. <laughs> Number 67, Colonel De Beers. 6'1", 248, 13 years pro, justly reviled. Uses his position as a wrestler to express his sordid political beliefs. Hails from South Africa. Memorable, violent, violent feud with Jimmy Snuka in 1986. Colonel De Beers. I don't know. This guy, like, overly... Isn't he like overly racist? Yeah, yeah, and that's and, and say a that. horrible human being. Well, <laughs> it, not in real life, but he's a character that I was gonna say that that's why I that's why I wasn't a fan of Colonel De Beers because there's like a few things in wrestling that I don't like. You guys know me; I, I think everything's funny, and and I, I'm not like a. Uh, what do they call it nowadays, like a snowflake or whatever. But, like, there's a few topics in wrestling that just kind of off-put me. Right. And, and that type of gimmick is a gimmick where it's like, you don't you don't need to do that. Right. I agree. Like, the baiting thing, it's like, I don't, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. It would have been a lot cooler if there were, it was a break on the beers instead of Colonel. The the only time the the only time the race thing has ever worked for me in wrestling is was uh, the early nation with Farouk. For some yeah, reason, right. that works. Yeah, but I agree with that. But I mean, we also watched. But, but see, Farouk wasn't Farouk wasn't racist. He was playing the race card. Yeah, he was. No, his character was racist. But his character hated everybody. Mm, yeah, I guess Aaron has a small point there. Like he hated his everyone equally. His, his char- like Colonel De Beers' character hated everybody that wasn't white. Bruce's character hated everybody. <laughs> like he, well, even he tried to like he tried to like a Hawaiian and a, a a Puerto Rican, but they turned on him, and then he had to fire <laughs> them. Yeah, you know, he, he like he would even be like, you, you, "Yeah, lazy black bastard." You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> Hot as, hot as the jalapeno pepper, you're fired. Yeah. When he when he fired everybody out of the nation, but then he was like, "Not you, Delo. I like you." I was like, "Damn, Brook actually showed hard." You know. But that. But no. The, but we watched that. We watched that UWF pay per view. I think it was, and he was on it. Colonel De Beers. Mm-hmm. He wasn't very good in the ring as it was. He was a little clumsy, nah. and you know. He's so, I guess the racist thing was the only thing he had going for him. Yeah, and it was bad. <laughs> well, let's move on to somebody good. I mean, not as a person, but as a wrestler. Number 66 is Chris Adams, 6'1", 228, 13 years pro, born and raised in Stratford, England, uh, former, a four-time world-class champion. His super kick, karate blow, is one of the sport's most emulated moves. Great wrestler, especially now human being. Shitty human you being. Said- you said he was born and raised where? Stratford, England. Actually, when they it's, introduced him, they introduced him as from Stratford-on-Avon. Yeah, Stratford. That's weird because it says place of birth, rugby, England. Well, yeah, I'm sure that was not a, that's not as marketable as Stratford-on-Avon. <laughs> right. 
You know where his place of death was? Texas. Waxahachie. Waxahachie, Texas. If you guys, and I think we should review this at some point. Have you guys watched The Gentleman's Choice? No. No. Oh, Nate, you know I'm you know what I'm talking about. Me and Chris me and Chad told you to watch it. Yeah. Yes. It's like the Tiger Blood or Tiger King of Wrestling. <laughs> like like yeah. That was one of the suggestions that Netflix gave you afterwards? No, like I found this thing <laughs> um on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's it's basically the story of Chris Adams told like through interviews with this collection of just trailer trash that he lived with and hung out with and it's fucking everybody from the trailer park. It's a it, it's fucking amazing. Hold on. Disgusting. I have to watch an hour and thirty four minutes of this and it's by Hannibal TV. You get to watch an hour. <laughs> oh, you know, he said that like it was a privilege. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch an hour and three four minutes of this shit. Okay, well, you don't have to, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I watch everything you say to watch. The only thing I didn't watch was that piece of shit Hogan movie. Yeah, thank yeah. you, asshole. I did that, but well, I wasn't even on the episode, <laughs> so it didn't matter if I watched it or not. But anyway, like, I'm just saying, watch that, and I don't want that to be the only thing we talk about with Chris Adams because Chris Adams. Like Nate was saying, in ring was fucking great. Like that guy. Oh, was the best thing he did for the wrestling business gave us Stone Cold. Yeah, he and, gave Stone Cold exactly. And and him and Gino Hernandez as a tag yeah, team, Gino, fucking great. Their feud, their feud was phenomenal. And, and they were great. They, they, they were a great tag team. Yeah, yeah. they were. And like his his introduction as being like a pen pal to the Von Erichs and uh, it's it, it was all good shit, but just like Nate said, a fucking kind of a trash bag human being. But all right, number sixty five. Give it, stand up, everybody, and then look down a little bit. Bill Dundee. Five oh, seven two fourteen seventeen years pro veteran, a USWA superstar, held the AWA World Tag Titles twice with Jerry Lawler in eighty seven, a three time CWA champion, a crowd pleaser. Okay, watch Memphis wrestling, and other than Jerry Lawler in the history of Memphis, well, okay, Jerry Lawler and Jack Fargo, there is nobody more over than Bill Dundee. I can make the jokes about his height or whatever. No, that dude was over. over as fuck in Memphis. And and he worked uh, our friend Chad Austin in Memphis. Yes, he did. And he is the epitome. He is, what do I want to say? He is the wrestler that used the word daddy. Daddy. The most of any pro wrestler in history. And, and, again, I'm not shitting on him because the guy was over his shit and he did his job. So obviously he did his job properly. Um, in Memphis, Jerry Lawler's greatest opponent. He was born in 1943, and he's still not dead? Nope. <laughs> he's, he's Holy 80. shit. Damn, he's going to have his last match pretty soon. That's a good run for a pro wrestler. Hell yeah. And actually, guys, even 
the best worst wrestling podcast I've ever listened to in my life is Bill Dundee's podcast. I I have best to say worst. It's the That's, best. It's, it's a contradictory. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing because he's just like fucking bitch and all this. And it's just it's like a train wreck to listen to, but it's great. This this <laughs> this fucking bitch come in the locker room, you know. The ice hat puts it over. Probably. Listen, now he looks like a stitched together puppet of Marty Stewart. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. I, I like Bill Dundee in, in Memphis. But then when he got to WCW as William Re- as Stephen Regal's manager, I, I was kind of like, I don't know, I, I, it made me laugh. Because you took a guy who was that over in Memphis and was like, no, we're just, you're, you're going to manage. We're going to put you in a little penguin outfit. And you're gonna sit there and trip people with a with a with a with an umbrella, and that's all you're gonna do. Sure. Okay. William Regal talks about it because you know he was like Sir William or whatever, but he was a butler. Mm-hmm. And yeah. William Regal was like trying to tell the WCW people like um, a butler would never get the um, title of a sir. Right. Like this doesn't work. <laughs> Like it works. Like if we're gonna be correct about this, fucker, he's a butler, (laughs) but he's a sir. Like what's going on? He was better than Chives, though. But Bill Dundee, my my internet, my internet is back, folks. So I don't sound like I'm calling from 1997 anymore. You mean you're not in the get off the payphone? One nine hundred collect Lee Marshall here, folks. Guys, if you kept, if you kept hearing a click, it was Nate having to put more quarters in. <laughs> I had to use the quarters like a weasel. <laughs> yeah, but but the last thing I'll say about Bill Dundee was that I, I I made we made fun of his height and he looks like a Marty Stewart puppet and all that shit. But, <laughs> But in the ring and promo wise and all that, he he was fucking talented. And yeah. in the in, in the late seventies and early eighties, I can't remember what his tag team partner's name was, so it's out of my head or whatever. But like you know that Mark, oh, Mark, that would be you. You need to look that up. What? But, but they were like the tag team partner was yeah. But in like year ninety one, no, no, like, like in the in the in the late seventies or late, you don't have to look it up. But they were from Australia, and they were the U.S. tag team champions. And George they, Barnes, yes, what they would do with the U.S. tag team championships, they dragged them to the ring. They didn't, <laughs> them. They didn't put them on their shoulders. They dragged him to the ring because that's like, how he should be from another country when he the US title. to be the U.S. tag team champions. Like, that, that was cool shit. Number why 60. didn't any of his talent? Why didn't any of his talent rub off on his son? <laughs> oh, his son was super talented. Just Not really. PG PG thirteen sucks, man. Uh, oh my god, damn! We'll talk yeah. about how awesome JB Dundee was, but. Number 64 is Tony Atlas. Six two two forty seven, fourteen years pro, known as Saba Simba during his recent WWF stint, former yes. Mr. USA bodybuilding champion, two-time IWCCW champion, managed by the devious Tony Rumble. You gotta love also, Tony Atlas. 
Also yeah. in the 91 Royal Rumble. Not very long, though. But it doesn't matter, Archie. It doesn't matter. That Saba, you know, I don't, I don't shit on a lot of Vince McMahon stuff. A lot of people do, and I don't, because I understand where he was coming from. Sports entertainment. Um, I am a. Well, Vince we should have come out to the circle a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. A, I am. I am a Vince McMahon sympathizer a lot of the time, as far as this stuff goes. And I will, I will complain about the past decade because the past decade, Vince wore thin. But anyway, one of his worst decisions was that god awful Saba Simba thing. Yeah, it, it, it would have been a, it would have been an, I don't want to say okay gimmick. It would have been a better gimmick in like eighty seven. It also would have been a better gimmick had it been framed more like Tatanka and less yeah, like right. a clown show. Yeah. Well, I mean, give <laughs> but, it, give it the gimmick what it was, and then add maybe some Papa Shango to me. That that might have been you know a little more ominous. But the one thing I will say is, yeah, it was a terrible gimmick and everything like that. But it, it, it when you listen to like Tony Atlas's um, like Hall of Fame induction and all that, he talks about he was at the lowest point of his life. Yeah, and was right. living in fucking crack houses and shit. And Vince went and got him out of there and was like, "We're," you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. We We're not going to call you Mister USA. We'll say that for Luger. We look at it yeah. as, oh, this was a this was a quasi racist kind of shitty gimmick. But Tony Atlas looks at it as this was this got me back on my feet. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, right. Like I don't. What a, Aaron, can you imagine what a um, a heel faction? Of Akeem, Kamala, and Samba Simba managed by Slick would have looked like. It would have been WWF version of the w- Dungeon of Doom. Right. It would have been a bad Dungeon of Doom, <laughs> but it might have actually came off well. And if they all would have attacked Dusty Rhodes. Well, I mean, I'm a fan been... of the oddities, too, from my younger <laughs> days. So, I mean, so it might have been over with me, also. I'm not going to, like, front like but, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> but on the non joking of side, Tony is a good dude. I watched a um, a MTV documentary. It was called MTV. I'm a pro wrestler, and on the documentary, it shows that the promoter was screwing the guys over, and he canceled the show the night of the show. And Tony literally paid out like ten people out of his own pocket because guys were going to go home with no money because they drove three hours to make like thirty bucks. You yeah, know what no. I mean? So he's yeah, he's and- given back and he's done what he can for the business. And I know, Probably. I know we're. I know we're talking about 1990, 91 right now, but if you go back 10 years, you go to 81, 82. In the WWF and a couple of the other territories he worked in, Tony Atlas was so over, he could have been a candidate to be a world champion. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was gangbusters, you know, and, 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 and the funny, the other, the other funny thing about him is, if you go back and watch him at that period in the early '80s, as thick and as built as he was, he worked f- crystal, man. He was so good. Yep. He wasn't always the best on the mic, but you don't have to be when you're folksy like that, you know. And people, you know, that's yeah. I, is that the right word, folksy? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, he was he was humble spoken or whatever. It was like I'll like. 
Oh shucks. You yeah, know. And, and and it wasn't like the um shucking and jiving thing of it. You know what right. I mean? And I'm yeah. not saying that like as a bad thing, because there was a lot of African American wrestlers that the promoters made him go out there and shuck and jive. But Tony Atlas didn't give me that um vibe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then Eaton and- and especially at this time, before he would, uh, it might have been a little after. No, it was before. My my time frame might be fucked up. I actually liked Tony Atlas when he was doing the the heel Atlas, where he was wearing like the black like Zumba. That is that that is after this. Yeah, that is after this. This is during the that's during the Ron Simmons title run in WCW. Yeah, I right. like that Tony Atlas too. Like he he was a good mm-hmm. heel too. Yeah, but Shoot, then he killed him when he lost the arm wrestling tournament. Yeah, Nate, you're right. I'm right. I, you're you're right. I, that was when it was like the like the the discounted faction of and when I say discounted, I mean it doesn't get talked about enough. It was Cactus Jack, Barbarian, and Heel Tony Atlas. It was cool. And it was it was originally Butch Reed, and then he left, so they replaced him with Tony. Yeah. Um. Shoot question, Nate. Is mm-hmm. they, do you know if David Gold's still listening? Um, no. If what? He's not still listening? He is not still listening. So let's, so let's test if he listens to this podcast. If he can tell me what we're fixing, what I'm fixing to say in the group chat, then we chip in on a, on a Christmas present for gold and get the asylum picture with him with the million dollar man drawn by Tony Atlas and send it to him for Christmas. Sounds good. Sounds good, good to me. I ain't paying for nothing. <laughs> well, you, well, I, I'll, put, I'll put it down whatever I need to. Number 63, Robert Gibson. 5'11", 225, 14 years pro, former Rock and Roll Express member is on his own, now feuding with his former partner Richard Morton, a successful comeback after a serious reconstructive knee surgery. The breakup of the Rock and Roll Express was stupid. Shit. Yes. Never Made no sense. But I will say this, he was the worker while Ricky was the seller. Right. Oh, Ricky, Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton and Shawn Michaels are the two greatest salesmen in wrestling history. And I put Henning in that category, too. I agree. But the the reason I don't, and we'll get back to Robert, the reason, I guess the reason I don't put Kurt there is because he did not spend the majority of his career as a babyface. Right. So he didn't have to sell as much. And Kurt... But I agree with you. He was a great salesman, Mark. I totally agree. And Nate, right. the, reason, the reason I won't say that about Kurt, and you guys know my love, Kurt Hennig. Kurt was like sometimes like way over the top with it. And he was like Arn. He was a Super Bowl. Yeah, like he he'd, he'd get his head hit on the fucking turnbuckle and do like four flips because he was trying to show the guys in the locker room the best fucking athlete in here. You know what I mean? But, um, right, like, but like, if you ask the this, top three for me, that's the top three. This might be controversial. You know who I'd put over Kurt as a uh, 
You know who I'd put on that salesman list? And this might be this might be controversial. All right, who's your top three? Well, it's not my top three, but I'd put this guy on my list. Hogan. No, oh, yeah, that, without a doubt. Hogan sold, yeah. I will agree with Listen, that. Listen, but I, this is what I will say about Hogan. He is known for that moment of no selling with the Hulk up. Yeah, but like, when, you want to see that. Until yeah, you got leading up to that, you know. If, if Hogan's match went, if Hogan's match went fourteen fucking minutes, he's selling for like eight of it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but that's part of the psychology of it. Well, I'll slaughter a sacred cow real quick. <laughs> you know who? You know who is an overrated seller? Like people he's act like he's a great salesman, but he really wasn't. Ricky Steamboat. Um, which Ricky are we talking about? Just him w- in general. W or WWE? He was a great. I'm not general? saying he wasn't a great babyface wrestler, but I would put Sean selling, Kurt selling, Robert True. selling, uh, uh, Ricky selling, um, fuck Lex Luger selling over over uh, oh, Steamboat. I don't know if I'd put Luger no. Right yes, there. and the reason I say that no, I, I would. <laughs> that I mean, was a little I'll, far, Nate. <laughs> On the hill, I'll die on the hill. Steamboat in the moment always got too much. Not, well, not for not for the hot angle where he's getting the DDT on the concrete, but watch a Rick, watch a Ricky Steamboat Ric Flair match. All right, well, all right. you brought him too up much on the cell. He got right, too you, much on the cell. You brought him up. So when you think Steamboat, what match do you think of? Because as always, when you think of a wrestler, you think that one match. What match is it for you? Flair Steamboat, eighty nine, in uh, Tennessee. And my and I've also seen Flair Steamboat. I've watched the WWE rivalries on it. Um, but for me, it's him and Savage. Which was completely mapped out from beginning to end for three weeks. So that's what I'm saying. Like, and I, I, I don't, oh God, we're doing the 500. I don't want to get in the weeds. <laughs> this could be a whole fucking half hour of a show. Steamboat, wow. I am not shitting on Steamboat at all as a worker. He's one of the great workers of all time. But I do not put him in my top 10 salesman ever. He no, does, no, no. He got too much on the sell. 10, he got too much on the sell. And I think he gets too much credit. <laughs> Aaron's we'll agree smiling. on we'll agree on that one. I'm smiling because I just thought of like it's a non wrestling quote, but it's one of my oh, favorite, it it's one of my favorite things I've ever heard of any wrestler say about another wrestler. Okay, and it was Ricky Morton talking about Robert Gibson, and he was talking <laughs> about his his endowment. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here comes and, something about an appendage. <laughs> and Ricky Morton said, "You know how most of us have to walk across the room and stick it in." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah." He sticks it in and walks across the room. <laughs> and said Robert sticks it in and walks across. The room. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Poot. Good job. <laughs> Number sixty-two. Oof. 
How did he make it that high? 62 is Dan Spivey. 6'8", 300, eight years pro, coming into his own in the U.S., former member of the Skyscrapers with Sid Vicious, teams with Stan Hansen as one of the Orient's most feared duos, a true giant. I'm going to be honest, the only time I was ever a fan of Dan Spivey was when he was Waylon Mercy. (laughs) That's the honest-to-God truth. You know what's crazy? Like, completely... Yeah, it's about the same person, but like completely off topic. If you take a Nick Jackson AEW head, and you can use that for a Wayla Mercy, Archie, am I lying? Archie, am I lying? I will agree. I agree, but I prefer Shawn Michaels retro head because the 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 the. Dumbass look on his face. It kind of reminded me of the Will and Mercy face, you know. But Nick just, Jackson has to come out next week and be like, "Lives are gonna be listen, young, uh, I, I, reckless hands." I sent Archie pictures of a cast head lot that I got that somebody had X by the way, and and he's like, "Is that Waylon Mercy?" So I post them in, in the group where the, with the other customizers, and they're like, "That's Nick Jackson." And Archie's like, me and him's having a conversation about these heads, yep. and he's like, I could have swore that was Wayman Mercy, and I was like, yeah. apparently it's Nick Jackson. <laughs> but as far as Dan Spivey goes, I think the reason he got so high on this list at being number 62 is because of the Japanese, you know, his influence in Japan. Right. Um, but at this time... Yeah, his tag team with Sid, and he did pretty decent with Mark too because him and Mark Calloway wrestled as as got great for scrapers. Yeah, but they didn't do decent. Well, I mean, they beat the shit out of the Road Warriors. That was they about did. their only claim to fame. But he uh, was but, just he he was just. I'm not trying to cut you off, but Dan Spivey no. just like I said that Waylon Mercy thing, man. He channeled that, and and yeah, I think that that, that had him. he been able had he not been so injured and been able to to continue with it. It would have been the best part of his career because he just, to me, just did not cut it. He just if, was, with that. He he gone, was, with that, you know who he was trained way. by? Who? He was actually trained by Ricky Steamboat and Barry Wyndham. Well, they did That's a terrible job. <laughs> what I was going to say whole, is though, is that if, whole um, um, flip and flop with the skyscrapers. Imagine if Sid and fucking Taker would have wound up with skyscrapers. Right. Right. What I was going to say is, though, is if he would have left from the skyscrapers and done the Whale and Mercy thing in WWF immediately afterwards, maybe he might have gotten a good two or three year run with no injury. But because he went to Japan and did that hard style there and whatever, and then came to the WWF, you know, he was already in his age by then. So it kind of hurt him. All right. We're trying to get to 50 here. In our ninety minutes, because I want to, I want to make sure that we get to the top fifty in the last episode of this series. All number right. number sixty one is Stan Lane, six one two twenty five, thirteen years pro, part of two great eighties tag teams, the yes. Fabulous Ones and the Midnight Express. Now on his own in Global, still managed by Jim Cornette. Exceptional martial arts skill. So this was after Cornette and Lane walked out of WCW and left Bobby by himself. Yes. And when they went to Global. See, now I like, I'm a big Stan Lane fan. I liked him more as a Midnight than I did as a fabulous one. But um, my only problem with Stan, and (laughs) I don't know if you guys will back me up on this or not, he didn't know how to talk at all. 
even when he was a commentator in WWE, he really didn't know how to put his words together. I think I think Stan knew how to talk. My thing with Stan is Stan is Stan is the the guy doing the the car dealer doing his own commercial. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, right. I agree. Do you know who his trainer was? Stan Lane? You say Ricky Steamboat. Yep. It was. You're right, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron, you are correct. The only correct. other wrestler I ever trained. Mm-hmm. Stan Lane. And he was great. Is, and he is was that great. why you wore the robes, you think? Maybe the flare, you know, the flare rub off? Um, you know, because Stan wore robes a couple of times to the ring. But yeah. Flair said that he found Stan Lane because Stan Lane was working at a resort that he was, that Flair was at. And, um, like Lane was working as like a like a basically taking like drinks out to like the pool and all this other shit and Flair said he was watching him was like man this guy's getting more poon than I am just a fucking waiter and was just watching him work with like the chicks and shit and saw his build and everything and was like you, you should be in the business and got him into the business. I'm a I'm a Stan Lane fan. I'm glad you knew that. I'm glad I did too. <laughs> <laughs> Number 60. You talk about charisma. I, and and I'll never say this guy's <laughs> Bell to Bell a great worker. I, but no, what's what's the definition of a worker? Maybe he is. Alright. This is what work, I will I will say about him without saying his name. He was a great seller. Mm-hmm. Great promo. He, God damn great, it. Yeah, great promo. Top 15 Char- promo of all time. Charisma. And he wasn't built like a brick shit house, but he wasn't just flabs instead of abs. Is it Jake Roberts? And no. But that, that, <laughs> is, that, is, that is the thing. That is the thing. What is the definition of a worker? Does it have right. to be a Chris Benoit? Maybe not. Here it is. No, no. Number 60. Well, it's Michael Hayes. 6'1", 255, 12 years pro, founding member of the Freebirds. He and Jim Garvin are the current U.S. Tag Team Champions trio of Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts were a classic 80s tag team. What a charismatic son of a bitch. Michael he's Hayes. the guy that I mentioned. He, he's not the guy that I mentioned, but he's the thing that I said about talking people into a building. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. To me, a worker is a guy that knows his fucking job, knows exactly what he's supposed to do, and doesn't have any um, misgivings about what he's supposed to be doing other than fucking selling tickets and drawing a crowd. That's a fucking worker. And, and doing his spot. Like, if you're supposed to put the other guy over, that happens. And, it, and it, it looks good. And if you're supposed to go, you know, over on him, you do it. And if you're heel, you get your heat. If you're babyface, you get your pop. And that, to me, is what defines a good worker. And let's, I, all, I agree. But let's like, all... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say this. All right. Nate, Shawn Michaels. Let's say this. I'm just going to use this as an example. Shawn Michaels. Great worker, right? Yep. Okay. 
his match with Hulk Hogan, in that match, would you consider Shawn Michaels, in that match, a great worker? No. For me viewing, for me viewing it, or for the uh, mass audience, well, man, I like, thought it was hilarious. You thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. Wow. But in that match, was he being yes. a worker? Yes. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. Well, here's why he though. Here, he here's wasn't why though. Job. He wasn't it doing was his Hogan. job in that match. Yes, he but did. It was Hogan's. It was Hogan's politics that made Sean do that. Otherwise, no, but, we would have a totally what, different that's... match. And, and but that's what I'm trying to say, guys. In that match, but see, I don't see. I don't see. A, 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 I don't want. I don't want to fight with you. Because we're talking about. Hey, I'm sure y'all did that enough. In that, in that match, in that match, and here's what I'll say: he was a good worker. Did he work with a bit of sarcasm? Yeah, he worked with a lot okay. of sarcasm. He yes, he did, but. For Sean's style versus Hogan's style, did he or did he not sell to the equivalent that Earthquake would have in 1990 for Hulk Hogan? No. Yes, he did. Sean's a high-risk, high-impact worker. And he sold high-risk impact over the top. It's no different than Austin, than Rock's uh, selling the shit out of Austin Stunner. Yeah, was- and that was gold, by the way. That was gold. Oh, that was stupid. When, when he hit that stunner and then he'd, he'd do that flip bump. And did the crowd pop? Yeah, like every time. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that's how I feel. <laughs> like, I, 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 get, I get what you're saying, too. But it, it, back to Hayes. Wait, wait, and, no, and, well, all right, this is, the, this, is a, this is the last thing I'll say about it. With the Sean thing. Mm-hmm. When I was talking about like people knowing their place and being a worker or whatever, um, he didn't do that shit to Brett. Okay, he wanted to. No, (laughs) he didn't do that shit with Brett because he respected for everything that he hated about Brett Hart. He respected him as a worker, and he respected where he was at on the card. And in the company, and then by the time he got to Hogan, he fucking hated Hogan. Like the only thing that like, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels couldn't agree on is they both fucking hate Hulk Hogan. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> Once he got to that right. point, he, he just like to me that diminished it. That diminished Hogan versus Shawn with the way he sold. In my but opinion. again, it was Hogan's like, fault for that happening. If Hogan would have poli- wouldn't have politic. As bad as he did, and make Sean feel like, oh, you're not in my level, so I got to just destroy you and get a. Then Sean would have had a totally different other match. I understand you know? that, but so, also at the end of the day, you're going out there and you're anyway. Nate, you know, listen, the thing that you that like the situation that you're speaking on, it it's also like this. You have, you deal with them egos in independent wrestling, like I'm, it's no secret, you know. I, I put on independent wrestling shows with a partner of mine. And, like, you deal with them type of egos, even with guys who really aren't a fucking Hulk Hogan. 
like it's just a, it's just a thing with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like you you're gonna have those egos and they're gonna clash, and then you're gonna have this one guy that say fuck that finish. I don't I don't feel like that should happen. And now then see, just, now you see it's good that Mark that they uh, Aaron brought this up because you look at a guy like Michael Hayes and he was a polar opposite. He didn't politic for shit like that. They told him carry. Or, or one of the Von Erichs were beating him that night, he did his job. You know what I mean? In the same regard, when he got to WCW, if they told him, hey, you guys are going to get destroyed by the Road Warriors tonight, they did their job. And congrats, you know? to, and, and congrats to him on his post-wrestling career as a pimp. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I think he... I will well, say this, though, Nate. We're all very proud of... Michael Pimp Style Hayes. That's P.S. His, uh, him and the Godfather shop at the same store. The State Puff Marshmallow Pimp. Yeah, the State yep. Puff Marshmallow Pimp. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. I think he missed his calling in his later part in life of being possibly a manager. Because he did pretty well with the, with the Hardys before they turned on him. I think if they would have given him two young guys or maybe a couple of second-generation guys that he could have done a – not a new Freebirds with, but something along those lines. It might, and might not the, I mean, just them. give not, two not, guys that's not great at promos and then, you know, right. because he's and, a mouthpiece. And not right. that tight shirt and Junkos, let's be honest. No, All no, right. no, no, no. Let him be a pimp. Let him come out in the pimp suit. Number 59. We're going to try to get through him here. Doug Furness. 511265 5 years pro some say this Oklahoman is the strongest man anywhere he and Dan Crawford are fine duo in Japan set a world record with combined lift of 2403 pounds Jesus. in 1987 is it just weird does he look like Bo Dallas with a goatee and cheeky hair <laughs> <laughs> He was a powerhouse. He was a great tag team wrestler. I think him and Crawl. I've said this before when we've mentioned them before. Should have had a run with the titles, at least in the WWF, but if not, then in ECW. Because I would have loved to have seen them versus the Eliminators at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at this point in 91, I really didn't see that much of Doug Furness, I guess, because he was in Japan. And, and, and at some point, and, and I don't know, to be honest, I'm rusty on my timeline. I think it was maybe 90, 91. He made a short run in the WCW yes. where they tried to where they tried to push him a little bit. He was there. But yet the the, the the biggest thing for me about Furnace that he was lacking was LaFon. <laughs> well that too, but both of them combined were lacking promo skills. Definitely. Yeah. Uh Doug had one of the best fucking drop kicks you've ever seen wrestling. Yeah, and oh, it's, exactly. it's like we were talking about on that year that was, and I was like, I got model Rick Martell vibes from his promo. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, if anybody could have used a cornet or even a Fuji for that matter, because they had Japanese ties, you know what I mean, being in Japan and whatnot. Yeah, they needed a mouthpiece. They needed somebody to come out there with them and say, "This is the best tag team in the world. They're going to get it done. Watch them in the ring." And then people might have took a notice a little more. I don't know. Like it might be out of left field, but I'd I'd put his drop kick up there with like Bob Holly. Bob Holly had a fantastic fucking oh, drop. Barry, Barry Wyndham. Yeah. Yeah. I always appreciated Hennings with the standing drop kick though. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because he would hold the guy there and then jump straight to their heads. Yeah, Henning had a crazy vertical. No, get Kurt Henning and Kurt Angle are the two greatest athletes in the history of the business that that we've watched. I never watched fucking George Hackenschmidt. So if you were alive in 1906, (laughs) don't get on me. But I'm just saying. Go ahead, Archie. I have something I got to say something real quick, and this is not a knock at you. But since we started the 500, you've thrown so much hatred at like 40s and 50s wrestling. Well, I'm just we saying. Watch it. <laughs> well, no, because every you week get... Nate curses somebody that loves that type, that that style of wrestling. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily cursing them, but I I see the pretentious people in wrestling a lot of the right. time because I, 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 I interact I interact with other historians and other podcasters right. like at a high level. And right, sometimes they're like, well, you say in the history of pro, well, go oh, goddamn, I was born in 78. Right. It's not like I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry I never saw a full length Dory Funk match. I might right. have taken a fucking nap. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, moving on. This is what I would say in, if I was going to go on some podcast with some wrestling historians or whatever, I'd be like, uh, for the wrestlers that you want to talk about um, active before the invention of Toll House Cookies. <laughs> <laughs> before, no, before, there were, before there was a Keebler elf, I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> Number 58. One last thing. When I see guys our age go into the I happen to love Ed the Stranger Lewis. I'm like, when did you have time to go back and watch those matches? I've never seen you watch, an Egg you know the Strangler movie. I said nice. Egg. Lewis. Hold on. Lewis. Said, that should be I the said, fucking said, name right there. Ed the Strangler Lewis. I said, and I quote. <laughs> hey. No, no, not just, not just Lewis. I said Egg <laughs> the Strangler <laughs> Lewis. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I love it. Hey. Suck it, historians. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Yeah. What are you, hey. you Daryl? Are you Daryl yeah. from Walking Dead? Hey. Hey. Yeah. Um, listen. You know, you can we, tell he's been watching. Hey. Back in the day, when we did when we did the old gimmick shows, where we'd have like stupid wrestler gimmicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought of. <laughs> Damn it, egg, egg, egg the Scrambler, scrambler Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> Wouldn't the Scrappler be better, though, considering what we yeah. talked about on Reliving the Stream? Egg, the Scrambler Lewis. <laughs> he leaves all his opponents sunny side up. Aaron, he comes He's to the ring big heavy. He's hard-boiled. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, he comes to the ring in one of those big chef hats, you know, to kind of droop over. Yeah. And, uh, um, a smock, what a you know, <laughs> egg the scrambler, Lewis. That's what they could have called. Remember, he, fu- he fucked up hard boiled Haggerty. Yeah, <laughs> remember when Undertaker yeah. always tells a story he thought he was going to be Eggman? That should have been his name, Egg the Scrambler, Lewis. He won by throwing him out the ring in 13 seconds. <laughs> his opponent was poached. God, god damn it, we're trying to get through to 50. Listen, 58. 58. Great wrestler. One of the best big men ever. Bam Bam Bigelow. 6'3", 368, six years pro, known as the Beast from the East. New Jersey Giant combines huge size, power, and speed 
into an all-out attack, has competed in Japan, WWF, and WCW. Wait There's not going to be talking, any disagreement here on Bam Bam. Are we talking there? about Bam Bam or me? Because you said New Jersey powerhouse, and you know, like yeah, we're he worked about, a lot of New Japan in '90. We're talking about Bam Bam. Oh, <laughs> but the one, the one NWA show that he did work. Well, no, but that would be two. I'm assuming. No, the that's only just two of them. He worked two NWA shows in '90 that they have on record here, and he lost to Tommy Rich on the first one at NWA Clashes, and then at Capital Combat, he, him, uh, Animal and Hawk, and Norman the Lunatic went over on Bam Bam Bigelow, Cactus Jack, and Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan's Slaughterhouse. Yeah, um, it was a couple of years before. 90-91, but you want to watch a really good fucking match, watch him and Barry Windham's Starcade match. It's it's mm-hmm. great. Well, despite what they say about the opposite guy in the match that I always think of Bam Bam in is Bam Bam and LT. Yep. Bam Bam protected Taylor. Definitely gave, a, gave us a good match. Um, you know, I, I have to say something about Bam Bam. I've always been a huge fan. But the fact that this man, without changing his gimmick, reinvented himself three times. Like, there was his early, uh, uh, mid-80s to early 90s career. Then his career when he came back and was with Million Dollar Man and, and Ford LT. And then he went to ECW and then back to WCW and had another career there as a hardcore fighter. That's that's pretty impressive for for a guy's career, in my opinion. Archie, Archie, yes. So that begs a question for me, and I want to pose it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't want to pose it to the other guys because the reason I want to pose it to you is because of what you just said, and it was very insightful. Because I agree. And as much as we are both fans of both of these guys, right. with what you just said about him reinventing himself and and evolving as a wrestler and evolving through companies and et cetera, right. who's better, Bam Bam or Vader? I hate to say this because I love them both equally. Oh, me too. I love their me tag too. team. Their tag team was phenomenal in, in Japan. But I have to go with Vader only because Vader got the bigger push and was a world champion. See, and I, I part ways. I, would. I think I think right. Bam Bam. I think Bam Bam. I think Bam Bam adapted better wherever well, he I went agree with that. than Vader did. That's the greatest but, big boy top rope move of all time. Oh, yeah, that moonsault was unbelievable. And that headbutt, I mean, the guy floated. Can I but, say my one thing? Sure. Go right ahead. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, Bammer never lost a step. No, nope. Vader lost nah. a step. Bammer never lost it. I agree with that. I agree. Vader lost his work. Bammer never did. And you could blame it on the environment. Right. I can blame it on the weight. Well, well but too. he also, also Vader, and I don't want to get in the weeds, but Vader dealt with a lot more politics than Bam Bam ever did. Yeah, and it's well, Vader was more of a teddy bear. You know what I mean? He's just a whatever. 
Vader was more of a drinker and Bam Bam was more of a drugger. I mean, I hate to put it like that, but that, that's the legitimate truth of it. He died of a drug overdose and heart failure versus Vader getting pulled over from the police for chasing frogs in his vehicle. But as, as far as um, like as far as the environment for both of them in the WWF, both kind of got the short end of the stick because Bam Bam wasn't well liked by the Click either, according to Diesel and Shawn Michaels. You know, yeah, I mean, but Va- done- I think I think like Aaron, like was it you, Aaron, that said like a pushover or a? Yeah, I don't want to say a pushover. Right, Vader was I'm just here to make money and support my. Family. I'll go with the flow. Whereas Bam Bam was like, "Well, fuck this That's shit. I'm out of here." Then done. Right. I'll see you later. Bitch, I got a head tattoo. I'm harder than any of you right. motherfuckers. <laughs> Number fifty-seven is a guy. Sorry, oh, sorry, the only thing I'll say: if Shawn Michaels would have done to to Bam Bam Bigelow what he did to Vader. At that SummerSlam, Bam Bam would have stood yeah. up, fucking decked the would have shit. Popped up and smacked the shit out of him. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. You would have seen a real life shoot. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Number fifty-seven, another guy who I think could have been a much bigger star had he got out of his own way. Martin Zanetti. Archie, I am not your oh. him. Martin I'm Gennady. not your Marty Janetti. 5'11", 237 years pro, a member of the Rockers of Shawn Michaels, not as high-flying as Michaels, but every bit as effective, won the Central State singles title in 1985. Marty could have been a huge star. Archie, you're not super kicking me through any fucking windows. At the end of the show, we will go over who you and I are so that you don't get worried about me super kicking you through a window. (laughs) But as far as Marty Jannetty goes, you know how we always say got in his own way? With Marty, he tripped over his own fucking feet. Uh, He was part of Jim Neidhart's fucking... uh, He was part of Jim Neidhart's fanny pack. (laughs) (laughs) this might be a like i said this might be a oh you're wrong completely wrong statement that you guys are gonna tell me i'm wrong there was a point and if you do it's fine um there was a point when the rockers were a tag team that marty was better than sean Oh yeah, he was, he was getting a better right. reaction. Fundamentally, as a worker, yeah. yes. But it just—I will, I will agree with that, and, and I believe the the tag team between them two led to Sean basically learning the game. Yeah, right. And, and, and Sean had the better personality and projection, or whatever. But in the ring. As the when the rockers were a thing, fucking Marty was better than him. Am I? And uh, and you know how Nate likes the historian parts of this this kind of thing. So, do you know who his trainer was? And his trainer is actually a legend throughout a lot of the South that a lot of people still hold in high regard. I actually do not. Jerry Oates. Well, I'll be damned. You got some holodots? 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Rich Girl. That's a good song. It is. <laughs> but, but honestly, uh, Jerry yeah, Oates was Oates. at a show probably like about three years ago that I would, that I attended. Well, I met Marty at Icons of the Ring about a year and a half ago. And I walked up to him. I told him I'm a big fan. I told him my wife's a big fan because my wife loved the Rockers when she was growing up too. Got his autograph. He autographed an 8 by 10 And I'm like, look, if I FaceTime her, will you say hi? And I swear to God, this son of a bitch looked at me in a drugged out or drunken stoop, mind you. It was only 2 p.m. in the afternoon and said, yeah, man, I'll do anything for 50 bucks. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. Just talk to my manager. So I go to the girl. Strange for a little bit of change. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, can, you know, he said 50 bucks. Is there any way we can work on that price? She's like, oh, he can't do phone calls. I'm like, what are you talking about? So again, he's not allowed to use the phone. Don't, don't even bring that up again. I can't. I'm like, he okay, might have somebody else in Columbus, Georgia. I literally, guys, I literally looked at this woman and said, thank you. Turned around and walked away while Marty went, wait, where are you going? What are you doing? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Right. So, I, I got 50 you. right here, fucker. I love Jerry's taking. <laughs> I love Jerry Oates tag team with Scott. Number 50. Uh, it registered. It finally fucking registered where? Oh, <laughs> Who I was speaking about. I was trying to say it, but you guys wouldn't shut the fuck up. That tends to happen on here. It's like a group well, now you know, here. Now, yeah. now you know how we feel some weeks. Some weeks you, we can't talk over you. This is we can't wrestle, not the year that was. Number 55. <laughs> Number 55, a guy that I'm a mark for, the Patriot. 6'4", 280, three years pro. Mystery Man is Global's hottest wrestler. Won the Federation's television title within a month of entering the league. Outstanding speed, power, and balance. 55. Oh, I'm sorry, 56. Shit. Yeah, you can't skip over Ricky Morton? I can't. Richard Morton. It's Ricky, damn it! You can skip over Richard. You can't skip over Ricky. But yeah, Richard Morton, Ricky Morton. We talked about him earlier. There's not a lot more to say. The one of the one of the top three. That's number one seller salesman. Number one seller. You know what? Yes, I'll agree with you, Brew. He's the best salesman. The York Foundation was a stupid. You will never like. They didn't do the right thing. Literally, when you are training and, and they're teaching you. To get that reaction out of the fans, they say do the Ricky Morton. Mm-hmm. He's my like second. He, he's my second favorite live event wrestler I've ever seen. Oh so yeah, Ricky's great live. Well, Ricky even on Flair's last match card, like that Legacy match, that was a pretty good match. He's my second he, favorite live wrestler I've ever seen. Yeah, I saw people saying things like, why did Ricky team with his son when Robert was on the outside? Why didn't they do another younger guy? And, it's like, his son. Ricky He's Morton. putting over his legacy. Right. He, it's called crazy. a legacy match. And Robert retired. <laughs> right, Robert retired. And Ricky just wanted to, and it's Ric Flair's last match. Let it be. But I will say this. Ricky looked a hell of a, hell of a lot better than Flair did. Mm-hmm. So, Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, Ricky's one of the greats, and like I said, we we expounded on him earlier when we talked about Robert. Um, 
the Patriot at 55. Um, I was one of my, one of my biggest memories as a kid and Aaron will remember because we were both there. We want, we, we come home from, from, from school every day and there's global. (laughs) And was it always good? No, (laughs) but it was there and it was wrestling to consume. That wasn't the WWF and WCW. Right, and it was on in the morning. Not and, morning, and, but early afternoon. And, and, the, and honestly, it felt special like that, though, didn't it? And, and well, to be honest, it felt, it, felt, yeah. it felt special like that because you know that's wrestling that's specific to your area. And you get right. to see this on television. Mm-hmm. And, 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 Del, and uh, the rest of the country is not. And Dell was like one of the four guys on that show that looked like a fucking wrestler. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, thank God it wasn't the uh, Salvatore Sincere version that Archie got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, the four guys, the four guys on Global, and then I'll, I'll shut up. The four guys on Global Wrestling that looked like fucking wrestlers... And one of these guys I'm going to give credit to, and you guys know I don't fucking like him, were Del Welks, the Ebony Experience, and the Handsome Stranger. And for the Aaron, people at home, are any of those, who those buff? are? One of them's buff. The Handsome Stranger looks like a fucking wrestler. Aaron. What? Have you watched... Bagwell's Mr. Rogers shit because it's amazing. Oh God, it's, I have not it's yet. Unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. I ain't Aaron, but I will answer that. I have not yet, and do not spoil it for me, motherfucker. I did because other people have posted it. They've it's been, like, great. Posted. It's fucking great. What a transformation! And, and God bless him. God bless him. If he's cleaning himself up, good for him, man. But yeah, I, I agree with Aaron about those four guys and. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, but and I'll agree with Aaron. Those four guys were the guys on Global that looked like wrestlers. Now, yep. did they necessarily work the best? Not all of them. Dell did, but he he stuck out. And from and 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 what proves that is we're talking about ninety ninety one, and I'm watching him on Global. I got interested in him early in his career. He may be, because at that time I was 12 or 13 years old, he may be the first wrestler that I really got interested in from the beginning of his fucking career. Right. You know? And I watched him go up through WCW with his tag team with, ironically, Bagwell. It was was the beginning of his upward swing, because... He was in AWA as like a trooper and all that shit. Yeah, but I didn't know that shit. Nate was watching this shit and he was like, he should come out and I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> well, at least, at I, least know I know I'm, I'm free. free. <laughs> God damn it. Like, it was a patriot. You were, you were feeling good about being an American just vicariously living through watching that wrestling. And now I see a bunch of shit kickers dressed head to... <laughs> Red, white, and blue, and I'm like, you look like a fucking moron, Joe Dirt. But anyway, like your ass, Uncle Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle, Uncle it would have 
it would have been much better if Vince got him in '94 and instead of '96. Yes. Yes. Right. Number fifty-four, Bob Backlund. 18 years pro, one of the greatest WWF world champions, has returned recently to the UWF and East Coast Independence, hasn't lost a step, a true credit to the sport of wrestling. Um, At this time, Bob, again, he's in Herb Abrams' UWF and kind of floating around. Where everybody was when they needed drugs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Herb had a good chip. Drugs. Bob's drug was working out. Yep. <laughs> like he was the, he was the CM Punk of that era. Yes, you got it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Kevin Nash. Now you know why we're friends, mate. <laughs> quick, quick. I know I keep talking about like shoot stories. Did I tell you guys the Kevin Nash Bob Backlund story? I think we've all heard yeah. that. If you haven't. Have you guys heard it? A rock somewhere? No, uh, Kevin Nash. Ke- Kevin Nash was in a hotel next door to Bob Backlund. Well, he didn't know it was Backlund at first. Right. This isn't going to end well. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Archie's like, go ahead and fuck it up for me while I meet him at the WrestleMania. <laughs> So Kevin Nash was in a hotel room next to Bob Backlund. He doesn't didn't know he was in a hotel room next to Bob Backlund, and he thought the uh, the couple <clears throat> in the room next to him was uh, you know yeah, doing, doing the dirty for hours that night, but it turned out it was just Bob Backlund doing the steps. <laughs> like man, they're really rocking that bed next door. Yeah, that's right. Bob. He practiced Bob. Bombs. And, and the funny <laughs> part is, Kevin Nash went downstairs to the fucking room, or not the room, the fucking desk, and was like, "Hey, who's in room like forty six And like, "Oh, it's, that's a uh, Bob Backlund." And he's like, <laughs> "Holy shit, Bob is fucking tearing that puss up all fucking." Mm-hmm. And then it turned out it was just Bob Backlund doing fucking sit-ups and shit. <laughs> In the bed. Like, he had his legs up on the bed and was just doing fucking sit-ups. At this time, 90-91, Bob is just floating around. This is not in any major promotion, but um, overall, for me personally, because again, I was born in 1978. Fuck, he was the world champion when I was born. Probably not my cup of tea, but when I go back and watch it for his time, he was effective. He's a great wrestler. You can't deny it. He's I'll one say of the, this. He's, and, and Aaron talked about something earlier about being like people you meet. We'll show, we'll show the generational gap, okay? And Aaron was what, there. You were born in 78. He was world champion. Mm-hmm. I was born in 90. And for me, that was the first time that the full Nelson really looked like Fuck, that might hurt. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what a great athlete. And 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 again, like to Aaron was talking about somebody meeting somebody earlier. And Aaron was there when I met Bob. What a great guy. Like, he did not have, right, Aaron? He did not have to take the time. 
that he took. Like I was like, oh, it's Bob Backlund signed my magazine, blah blah blah. I'm gonna move on because you're a you're a fucking icon, and I want to get let you meet other people. And he like put his hand on my shoulder and pulled me back and wanted to talk to me. You're you're gonna have a a conversation with me. Yeah, and and just such a such a great guy. And It's, it's like we were talking about Dustin Rhodes. His positivity is infectious. Yes. And his run as a champ, like like Nate said, I wasn't fucking born or whatever. But watching it as he was the champ, it was good. But it just kind of started wavering off after he got like yeah. crew cut. And it's like, yeah. Eh. I mean, and you're beating a dead horse and it's been like fucking seven years. And, you know, yeah. it's time to move but on. But- fuck it. Let's let him manage the Sultan. <laughs> and he did a great job with the fucking. He had Mr. Fucking, fucking that that fucking shit on his nose and the glasses and the. Oh, Mr. Backlund was great. Oh, and I Plebeians. love. I love, I love when Jim Ross is like Bob, like like he bought he brought Bob. Jim Ross said he bought he brought Bob Backlund to WWE headquarters, and was going to talk to him about going into the Hall of Fame. And Bob Backlund thought Jim Ross was bringing him back for another run. Like, he was like, oh, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame, Bob. And Bob was like, what? I I think I should have another run before I go into the Hall of Fame. I don't give a fuck, kid. I still got it. Ask Kevin Nash. I was doing sit-ups in the room next door. Backland. 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 Cena. WrestleMania 30. (laughs) Number 53. Another great veteran. Greg Valentine. Six foot, 243, 20 years pro. The Hammer is a master of the figure four leg lock. A former U.S. champion and IC champion, now a fan favorite after years of vicious rule breaking. How about his trainers? His trainers was Stu Hart and the Iron Cheek. Did not know that. Greg was pretty lame at this point. He was. This was when he they were moving him in as a baby face. He had turned on Jimmy Hart and etc. But. Greg's one of the great heels of all time. Oh, yeah. Yes. You can't talk about Greg Valentine and not talk about that dog collar match with him and Piper. Right. I was just about to say him and Piper are synonymous. And, like, my, my, and as a matter of fact, and speaking of John Arezzi, I don't mean to cut you off, Aaron. It's okay. But speaking of John Arezzi, because John, John it was a fan. Like, he was literally, literally going to the garden. Every week or every month in the seventies and eighties or early eighties, and he he stated before he thought Greg Valentine was going to be the guy to beat Bob Backlund for the WWF title, and that, like that's I how saw, that's how over as a heel Greg was. And that's what then. I was going to say was, and I, and this might be a, like a bad way to describe the robe, but my favorite Greg Valentine was when he was wearing, like, that peacock robe. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, purple, but it had, like, rhinestones and shit on it, and uh, who was his his fucking manager? Was his his man... Did Wizard? Grand Wizard. Yeah, when he was, like, with 
Do, do, do you know the era I'm talking about? Oh yeah, definitely. Like the the late seventies, early eighties, Greg Valentine. That's when mm-hmm. he was fucking best, in my opinion. Ninety one, Greg Valentine is slow motion. Yes, was well, it and, the top and, of rhythm and blues. Uh, we're getting there. Uh-huh. But, no, no, no! This bar. is after. This is after rhythm and blues. Oh, this is this is. He is probably going to start. He's he's about to wrestle Earthquake at WrestleMania seven. That's a highlight of your career, or, or six, <laughs> six or seven. But <laughs> he's um at this point he's turned his back on Jimmy. He's turned babyface. It is what it is. He's at the end of his big run in the WWF. If you ever see but, Jimmy Hart, you don't want to turn your back on him. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, Greg was a fantastic worker. Um, he is the epitome of a professional wrestler. And <laughs> to this day, the guy's a fucking pro wrestler. He doesn't wrestle, but to this day... He shows up at conventions. He interacts with fans. Yep. He knows what pro wrestling is. Well, you know how Aaron said you don't want to turn your back on him. The guy that mentored me and taught me about the business. He has told me my favorite story of a rib of all time. All right. So, you know, back in the days, they used to do this man's going to wrestle a bear. Well, at the, at the uh, uh, fairs and things like that. Right. All right. So there was this wrestler that's synonymous with Georgia Re- Independent Wrestling. And so, and like pretty much, you know, a lot of the southern territory, he's synonymous with it. His name is uh, Irvin Price. And he, uh, he was working the bear that night. <laughs> and my mentor told him, go out there, slap that bear, and then turn your back on him. Honey so on. when he did, when you turn your back to the bear, <laughs> he would try to hump you. Oh, God. <laughs> so you know where this goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he went, he went in there and slapped the bear and turned his back on him, and that bear proceeded to try to do his business. <laughs> Hence the term bear. <laughs> <laughs> the I hammer. just figured I'd share, what that, we, share that with you, because you, you would we, definitely enjoy that. We were talking about the hammer, and then you told that story. <laughs> yeah, there was a hammer getting put down. <laughs> The bear told him, this isn't going to be like back when in that bed. Just slap me and turn your back if you want to. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. When no. I come in your picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boo-boo. Number 52, Terrence Taylor. 6'2", yeah. 225, 11 years pro. More personalities than Sybil. He was yes. Terry Taylor and the Red Rooster before a charter member of the York Foundation, actually a fine technical 
Graffler. All right. I don't know if this is okay to say on here, but that ain't that that red cop dude. <laughs> According to Pritchard, if he just would have embraced the cock. <laughs> but anyway, Pat would have gave him that push. I heard. I heard Pat said the same <laughs> thing. Went, but that he would have. He would have went banana. <laughs> um, this is this is one of this is back to Aaron's uh, thing from earlier. Underrated, overrated. Terry Taylor, underrated, overrated, properly rated. Um, under, under, because over. of the gimmicks that he was given. Over and and no, I don't think he's overrated. I overrated. Over. I agree with over. you, Archie. Overrated. In the ring, in the ring, that dude. Well, fuck it. Me and Aaron's dying on the heel. Is Go a, ahead, Aaron. Fantastic. <laughs> He was really good if he was in the ring with somebody really good. Fundamentalist, that's what I will say. And well, well fundamentally, you're at- wrong because he was he was good in the ring if he was in the ring with somebody good. That does not right. make and, you good. And people pegged him to be something that he wasn't way too early on, and then he fell flat on his face. Now, yes, he was given some crappy gimmicks. But when he was allowed to be Terry Taylor, he wasn't exactly shining and winning world titles all over the world. There's a reason. There's a reason that when Vince McMahon had the gimmick Mr. Perfect for the Red Rooster, Kurt Henning. he chose Terry Taylor for the Red Rooster and Kurt Henning for right. Mr. Perfect. Right. Kurt Henning. Well, I mean, Kurt... everybody knows Vince loves cops. What's your point here? Uh, <laughs> I guess, I, I guess Kurt, Henning, Kurt Henning had a. Smaller cock, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, that's good shit, pal. That segued so good. <laughs> what else? What else? Is okay. Um, that rooster gimmick was stupid. Okay. Well, yeah, but that rooster gimmick. Was a parody, and it also got a fucking elite. It ended, but that that rooster, gimmick, that rooster gimmick was a parody, and you guys know what that was a parody of, right? Rocket Ric Flair. It was a parody Talk of, of the Walk. Flair. It was a parody of Ric Flair. So, if I said Rocket Noodle. That's that my fucking age. <laughs> this might sound dumb, but if Vince is wanting to do a parody of somebody and he says Terry Taylor is the guy that we're going to do a parody of Ric Flair for, that speaks to his wrestling ability. But he did. What's the, what's the parody that you're uh, beating? Phallic member? I'm just saying, I, I think Terry Taylor was a great wrestler. I don't think Terry and Taylor was a great wrestler. We're not disagreeing with you. I think Terry Taylor was a fine hand. And, right. Terry Taylor is Val Venus. Okay. He is in... Without the towel. He's in the spot he's going to be in. He's never going to be a world time. champion. He's never going to be a world champion... He has eh, a bit of charisma. Eh, let's make him a porn star. 
maybe that'll work. Because when you took when you and, and I'm saying that because when you stripped away Val Venus from Sean Morley, he was fucking boring. Right. Val Venus and Terry Taylor are like the same guy to me. Well, no. What I, well, so like, all right. Well, we're talking about Val Venus though. Did you not enjoy him in in Right to Censor? No. No, I hated the entire right to censor. But but hold on, let me explain. Let me explain to you, and, and see if this makes you know physiological sense. Um, right, the censor was the '90s Karens of today's world. Right, and so like at the time to draw heat because it was the Attitude Area era. That whole right to censor thing, it got heat. It did, but not because of Sean Morley. No, 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 no. No, I'm just saying the whole concept, the principle of it. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's it, it, and that's why I'm saying Taylor is like Morley, in that the gimmick doesn't. It's not because of him. It's because yeah. of of the atmosphere. Okay, so they created, they, right. They, the right could have gone right. over with Stevie Richards and 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 by you know somebody else. Bobby I Jones. mean, actually, yeah, was, and actually, right to censor got over. I think to me more because of the Godfather being right. good. Right, you're turning you're turning favorite your the fan favorites into these. How you gonna forget about the whole dog? <laughs> <laughs> How you gonna forget about the hoes, dog? They were made you. <laughs> well, okay, we're talking about you know, you guys Sean Morley and all that shit. You know what I'm saying is Terry Taylor as a worker was okay. Was in my opinion. Underrated, and am I? Um, I, I just think like the dude doesn't get enough credit, and in, certain- in my opinion, comparing Terry Taylor to Sean Morley, whether he's Val Venus or not, is giving Sean Morley way too much credit. No, but what I, made I'll me agree with that you here. on that. <laughs> here, 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 let's look at it this way. All right, Terry Taylor, when he started his career, he was with Eddie Gilbert. He wanted the TV title, and they were picturing. They kept promoting Wait, Archie. To, yes, he he attached himself to Eddie Gilbert. Right, Hold exactly. On, let, uh, I, I was going to try to say this. I was going to try to say this. I'm going to say this. Terry Taylor. Has been employed for so many fucking years as a booking agent, talent scout, Aaron, trainer, Aaron. What? Much like me, you work for a corporation. Don't do this. They might they might hear this podcast and you go into work next week. He's not that good. He sucks that ass really good. 
But, but, he was right, never but like I said, fundamentalist, it's the fact he understood the basics. And he could he could guy. get those guys to that level to where they could put on, you know, a match. And again, I'm not saying was he possible. wasn't I'm not saying he wasn't a good worker. I'm saying he was overrated. He wasn't really that good. With a gimmick like the Red Rooster, how over do you think that? I don't want to talk about the guys. <laughs> I don't know. But I hold think on. Mark, Ca- right. Mark, Callis, yeah, Mark Callis made the Undertaker work. Yeah, but that's the Undertaker versus the. Uh, uh, but hold on. No, 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 no. The Undertaker was supposed to last one year. And it didn't. Because of the man behind it, right? When you am the saying. gimmick, right? right. Yeah, I, I understand. But I am dying on this hill tonight. And Stop. Let's say this about a gimmick. Aaron's the voice of reason. What the fuck kind of show is this? Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Let's say this. Why would he turn into a chicken a gimmick, all of a sudden? A gimmick that wasn't supposed to have any shelf life. Okay? The Undertaker. All right, I know. And that. the Red Rooster. Compare your workers. But I'll put it like this. If you look ahead and look at the next name in this list, he does not deserve to be above Terry Taylor. Let me say what I was, let me let me say what I was gonna say. Just stop for a second. Okay. Just, and listen. just, just shut up. Everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> Go ninja. Go ninja. Terry Taylor showed up. At a at a convention that Nate and I were at, and when Taylor walked into the room, everybody, including Nate, went <laughs> Rooster. He just broke kayfabe right there. Rooster. So that fucking gimmick resonated. Nate. And in that moment, when he walked in, he was fucking over to you. <laughs> but it was also give me the give me the red cop now. But hold on, Here's but he's my still point he's still overrated, and he is a fucking. When he was a worker, if 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 Mike Halleck, if Mike Halleck walked in the ring, walked into the arena right now, I go boo Mantar. That's what I fucking know him as. <laughs> That's fine, but fucking Mantar wasn't a good fucking worker. Elder Bell fundamentally building. I didn't say. I never said from working. the beginning he wasn't good a work good good worker. I just said he was overrated. He's not a great worker. He's a good worker. But then, too, that also goes into what you classify as a good worker, as you said before. Because, like, I'm not he, shitting he, on Terry. I'm not at all. Right? If he can give, if he can give those people shit, is Barry Horowitz a piece of shit? No, he's a great worker. Okay, so he's Terry a better Taylor. work. 
Barry Horowitz is a better worker than Terry Taylor. No, he isn't. You want me to tell you somebody who's better than both of them? (laughs) I'll tell you somebody who's better than both of them. And it's a lot of guy. It's a guy that doesn't get a lot of credit. Bob Cook. Yes. Well, no, I don't. I don't know. He's not. I don't know if he's better. I don't know if he's better than Barry. Barry's a fantastic worker. We lost our team. But anyway, we've had this Terry Taylor fight. <laughs> Terry Taylor's fucking awesome. Terry Taylor's really good. And and like I but said, I will so not great. say that he should have been below the next guy that we got upcoming. Well, no, I'm not saying Terry Taylor should be on this list like as, as high as he is, but I don't think people should sleep on the awesomeness of Terry Taylor. Number 51. Archie's back. Hello, Archie. Yeah, I, I got... My, my earbuds went out and I couldn't talk anymore. You guys couldn't hear me. Yeah, look, we were talking about cock and Archie Darden. That's all it was. Well, hey... I, <laughs> I the Terry Taylor conversation has superseded my time to be able to walk to the fucking bar to get a goddamn last call. Well, you're the ones that wanted to die on the hill for Terry Taylor. Well, well, Aaron? Six Aaron? <laughs> Aaron. Six, I'm going to have to drink six beers out of my mini fridge by myself and watch Terry Taylor matches. Well, I don't have a mini Aaron. fridge. I'll hang out with you afterwards, Aaron. Hold on. It's okay. Hold on. I don't have a mini fridge, Mr. Millionaire. Aaron. I have a regular well, I do. I do. <laughs> I don't Aaron. have a Huh? For fuck's sake. He's getting HBK money. <laughs> you fired me up, Nate. You knew that was going to happen. You. Knew- <laughs> it's like you mentioned Buck Zumal. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> listen. That is the first time I have seen Aaron be as passionate about something as he is about his hatred for Buck Zumal. <laughs> Nate knew what he was doing when he brought Terry fucking Taylor. <laughs> All right, who's next? So hold on. Before we go who, to who's next and who's last this week, I just want to point out. Hold on. We got to end on a better note than this, damn it. Nope. This is it. We'll next week is 50 to 1. All right. But hold on a second. <laughs> He's supposed to play you a YouTube song, Nate, about how he feels about the situation. I feel it coming. Yeah, he's playing the Red Room. <laughs> Are you playing a little Red Room? Ah, oh, the quiet before the storm. This is unprofessional. Wait for it. Wait for it. Hold on, I just did the build Dundee. <laughs> No. The uh, the reason I said hold on a second. Did your internet go out again? It did not. I was about to say, we're finna pick it outside of freaking Comcast or whatever service you got. I don't know. It's a it's Spectrum and they suck my ass. No. My internet never goes out. Aaron is complaining. Because you got a mini fridge. That's why it never goes out. Free plug. Thank you, Kinetic from Windstream. (laughs) 
snake. But you wanted to die in the Terry Taylor Hill. Right. <laughs> oh, he is facing to get technical as a motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't want to die on it. I was put on it. And I... I I'll stand there with you, bro. It's okay. He might be your real life brother, but in the Terry Taylor fight, I'm there with you, bro. <laughs> this, was, this was my argument about it. Terry Taylor fight. <laughs> this was my argument about it. He was Terry Taylor a lot in his career too, and he didn't do a lot of a lot of anything either. So I'll put it like this: this Terry Taylor fight has to last longer because the next fucking person is not even fucking worthy of really talking yeah. about. So. I'll disagree a bit, Mark. I mean, just a bit, because well, because different, of his work, different folks, and I respect that. Because of his work elsewhere, and I'm not going to read the description, frankly, because at this point I'm not in front of the magazine. But number fifty-one, and next week we will do fifty through number one, the top fifty. Number fifty-one. Sure we're not going to make it to the top twenty. <laughs> like, like, I no, don't next week, next week we are doing. Next week we are doing fifty through one, no matter how long it takes. And then we can get on to the other good shit that we got in store. All of shame. Wait a minute. But anyway, well, number fifty one. Oh, Hall of Shame is next. Yes, I thought Booger the Box. Was yeah. Nope, Hall of Shame is next, and then Booker Hall of the Shame Box. is my Hall of Shame is my fucking jam. Damn, I'm just wait even... till we put fucking Evad on here for air, and he's gonna go fucking nuts. Booker the Box, which this time I don't even get to compete in. God damn it! Yeah, nobody said you said you didn't want to compete. That's like you with this fucking tournament that's going on in the uh, Facebook group. What's wrong with you, Archie? Because he screws me out of every tournament, except for the first one I won. Well, I mean, if you're going to get screwed, at least let it be in Montreal. (laughs) (laughs) Quit picking dogs. Dude, I picked Shane Douglas, but whatever. That's not the point. You picked Chad Austin. I'm talking about the last one. Hmm. He played his arch nemesis. What's up with that? Terry Taylor for 40 minutes and did not talk about the Boston bad boy, who's number 51. He said for 40 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it's been an eternity. Terry Taylor hasn't been this over in years. Well, he's over with us, damn it. That's because the boss is drunk. (laughs) The boss man is scrubbed. Definitely. 51. (laughs) In the initial PWI 500 is a guy that apparently Mark and I disagree on. It's Tony Anthony. The dirty white boy. Mark, you don't like him? It's not over with me. How do you not like the dirty white boy? Oh, God, I get to listen to somebody else fight. Good. All right, check this out. USWA in 1990. Mm -hmm. You got Jerry Lawler, the soul taker, and Tony Anthony versus Chris Champion, Dutch Mantell, and King Cobra. For one, they went over on those three, and I would assume that, you know, if I'm going to die on a hill, that everybody listening with me 
would agree that if you got Dutch Mantell on that team, he's more over than two out of three of those other guys. Well, yeah, but Tony Anthony was fucking great, man. But hold up. On January 15th in 1990 on the USWA Memphis show, he went over on Steve Austin. <laughs> Jimmy Del Rey is never going to go over on Stone Cold on any card of mine. That's all I'm going to say. Well, well, why you you will not put Jimmy Del Rey over on Stone Cold. Never in a company that I would run. And expected to be successful. Well, as stunning Steve, as stunning Steve, Steve Williams had more charisma. You mean Tony Anthony, Jim- not Jimmy Del Rey? No, that's what it says. Is the alternate ring name was? That's weird. I'm confused. Oh no, T.L. Uh, my bad, my bad, T.L. Hopper. We're not talking about DL Hopper. We're talking about that's what number. So uh, hold on, it's different but... on mine again. TL Hopper was Tony Anthony, which was the Dirty White Boy, which was Grappler number two, which was the Mighty Yankee, which was Tony Anthony. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 drilled down to it. But right, you still wouldn't put T.L. Hopper over Steve Austin on my card. I'm sorry. T.L. Hopper, yeah. T.L. Hopper, yeah. Before. But. Tony. Hold up. All right. Well, let's break it down to the story of it. All right. Tony you got Stone Cold who played freaking football and stuff like that at TCU and all that. Versus T.L. Hopper. So you're telling me in that situation, you put T.L. Hopper over on Steve Austin. Well, maybe not. But what I'm trying to say is. That's my that's my heel. But that's where I, I die. <laughs> is Tony Anthony as a talent. And work in a fucking room. I agree. That dude was great. Like, if you want to watch some great Tony Anthony, fucking Smoky Mountain Wrestling, fucking watch it. Right. That dude worked great as a heel, and he worked great as a baby face. Like, okay, I was with you with the Terry Taylor shit. But I now retract that statement. The brother looked over Nate. <laughs> um, Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. But um, in the, and I know ECW went a lot longer than Smoky Mountain. But do you know what I think the Smoky Mountain equivalent that Tony Anthony was to ECW? Sandman? Yes. He was the Sandman of ECW. Well, I mean, that's not saying much considering they put Sandman in the field with Tommy Cairo. Fresh fruits! (laughs) 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 
Don't make me play the Fresh Fruits promo again. Please. Listen, that's how you know I listen to Reliving the Extreme. But Tony (laughs) Anthony in that room in front of that crowd was fantastic. And I don't, I, I honestly don't think that he was a terrible worker. I think if given the chance. Hold on. All right. Now let me ask you this question. Do you put him over Terry Taylor? Um, promo wise, um, promo wise, yes. But but they're different characters. They're different styles, and they're different whatever. But we're we're talking about the same time frame, nineteen ninety one. But prior, T. L. Hopper, according to T. L. Hopper yet. Right, that's what I'm saying. All right, so as Tony Anthony, you would put him over the Red Rooster Terry Taylor. If they're doing what they're doing now, honestly, I'd put fucking Tony Anthony over Terry Taylor. I really would. And I like both of them, but but, but Tony Anthony. That, that just illegitimizes that whole argument that me and you just had with Nate and Archie. But but Tony Anthony was cutting better promos. He was working a, a stiffer style, and like I'm I'm thinking of Tony. I'm looking at Tony Anthony of Smoky Mountain in Memphis. This and is where I'll, I'll. It's funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Aaron and agree with Mark. Where you agree with me on that? You wouldn't put him over Steve Austin. But no, I mean, oh. okay. Looking at here, them now. Here, here, here's the thing, and and this is where I'll say I agree with both of you about Anthony and Taylor. At this time, to be honest, I would put Anthony over Taylor because I'm not a big fan of Terry Taylor. So that's the disagreement. It, if if we're talking about ninety and ninety one, if we're talking about the time that this list was posted and can. And what collaborated? That should have been a question for you to ask, Rizzi. You should have went on a week later, so we could have had this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would put Anthony over Taylor just because, in their environment, as a Southern, because because he's being booked as a Southern wrestling heel, like a almost a territorial heel. Right. Tony Anthony is fantastic. You bring him up to New York, and you give him that shitty plumber gimmick four years later. I That's what I was about to totally. say. The promo picture has the plumber gimmick. Yes, and that is garbage. And he and, and that's and, my and that's my whole argument about the whole thing. Whether to his credit or not, because he was given the situation he was given. Yes, it was, it was bad. Um, but as a Southern wrestling heel in that era, in that time, I would put Tony over Terry. Um, just because, frankly, again, I think in general Terry's overrated. But that's just me, and and that's right. why I, that's why I love this shit because we can disagree, we can agree to disagree. And and Nate, like what I was saying about fucking. Uh, work in the room and the crowd and all that shit, he can be a heel because he cut great heel promos and all that shit. And him and Ron Wright were so good. Oh, they were fucking great together. 
and and it worked the the same way as what I'm going to say is that he could be a heel, but then at the end of the day, he could also flip it, and then the dudes in the crowd would be like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I can drink a beer with that guy." Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I got enough crack to deal with his plumbing gimmick. <laughs> I'm just saying. My bad. My like, bad. I'm just saying, like it, it's not it's not the same, but like he almost, if they wanted to turn him, which they did, but when he turned face, he could almost do. And like I said, it wasn't as great as it, but it was almost like a dusty type thing. He was just like a common man. You know what I mean? Oh, plumber's pretty fucking common. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I mean, look at some Mario Brothers. It was over. Well, everybody, next week we are gonna. So what we've taken, the- what we've taken from this episode is that Terry Taylor was awesome, and uh, Tony Anthony was okay, or more than okay, and Nate can't be right all the time. Thanks, and, everybody, and- for listening. And or Nate, or Nate can be just a new right all the time. <laughs> and you and Mark yeah. tag team ever because you turned on each other the minute you guys didn't agree. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, because like I sat there and died on that heel with him on table, Terry Taylor, yeah, and then y'all are Austin and Taker in '98. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or which one's got the ministry? That's what I want to know. Or, 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 or more like Sean and Austin in 1997. No, no. I can't see either one of you in Playgirl. Just one word. Which which one of you is which one of you is Sean and Austin? Which one of you is an actual badass, and which one of you is playing badass because it's that week? It depends on uh, what angle you're booking us in. <laughs> if you give me the red cop gimmick, I'll make it work. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, like which one of us is Austin and which one of us is Michaels? I don't know. It fits that I shaved my head this week. Oh, I'm definitely a Michaels. <laughs> I'll run away. Aaron's in the do rag with the tank top. Yeah, and, hey, I'll, I'll run. <laughs> Vince, his boots, t- his boots tucked into his jeans. Well, I'm not doing that, but I'll run away. Wait, his jeans tucked into his boots. Fuck. I'll run. Away. Always, Somebody you, to work. You always know it's time to end this show when your host is hammered. All right. So that's it. Next week we are gonna. No matter how long it takes, we're doing fifty through number one. Wait, we didn't hit number fifty though. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. No, we hit 51. We're not going to, Archie, fucking keep up. We're not hitting. <laughs> you keep up. We were talking about Taylor, Terry Taylor being better than Tony Anthony. 50, you keep 50, up. 51 was Tony Anthony. 50 is Earthquake. I'm looking at the PWI. Why are you, you fucking spoiling it? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Archie, we were waiting for fifty for next week. <laughs> okay, sorry, you my fucking bad. Meltzer. 
Uh, listen, Archie, Archie could not wait until next week because he is such the biggest fan of right. Earthquake right. that he has to give the fat boy love. Right. <laughs> He's like, we're getting to the wrestler that I look the most like. And, and I will say this, <laughs> Nate, after the show, stick around because what's in this envelope <laughs> right here, I really want to share with you. <laughs> Archie was like, my doppelganger's coming up. Why, like, you can't just skip over Earthquake, damn it. <laughs> At least I look like a wrestler, Aaron. Oh! <laughs> that's fine. Shots Harvey Wimpleman, Harvey Wimpleman looking ass. Downtown Bruno, damn it. That's funny. All right. I can take a good joke. I love you, brother. It's time for you motherfuckers plug your shit. We went too long. I ain't plugging nothing. I ain't plugging nothing. We went too long. Well, you ain't plugging nothing. Fuck it. I'll plug it for you. If you smell what the arch is cooking. Check out this next coming week's episode. Because guess what? Mark Bruce is dropping in. That's right. Mark will be with co-host. We had a pretty good week of wrestling this week. I got got the pleasure of being the co-host last week. It's always a pleasure. So, Archie, go ahead. Well, like I said, we we had a pretty damn good week of wrestling again. A couple of returns. Couple of great matches. Crossbow. So, yep. Yep. A uh, lot of lot Triple H is definitely making sure that he shoots his, his shot now rather than later. And oh, Scarlet. Man. And Scarlet. Who and got Scarlet. It, it's like Aaron said, if you're gonna do it, you better clean it up. So. <laughs> don't don't clean up Scarlet though, please. No, no. No, please don't. Just make her a better elite. That's all we need is a better elite. She's That's my it. biggest regret. At a wrestling meeting, I actually had a wrestling convention. Like she was a convention before they were on WWE, and she was like, "You should get your picture taken with me." And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm broke. I don't have enough money." And now I'm like, "Ah, goddamn it! I wish I would have." But anyway, did she? (laughs) If you smell what the arch is cooking, might have been a nip slip there. Yeah, brew. It's your turn. Plug your shit. Mark Cindy Spotlight this week. I just edited the latest episode. It will be out uh, tomorrow as we speak. But Mark's in the spotlight for next week. I am going to get involved in some ongoing storyline in between an independent wrestling promotion and two superstars that I had the pleasure of recently training with, so it's going to be a little interesting to see how things go, and we'll see if we can uh, entice you to come in and listen to more of Mark's Indie Spotlight. And this also, week... Also, while you're at it, listen to Reliving the Extreme, listen to The Year That Was, listen to If You Smell When the Arts Is Cooking, because if you ain't listening to WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, what the fuck? Yeah, ain't you're right. What are you doing with your life? Like, seriously, yes, this weekend marks show the man, the myth, the legend, the original Stone Cold Chad 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 Austin. Yes, a great conversation. And I just got the pleasure of editing that episode. 
and it will be out this weekend. Uh, honestly, though, let's get Nate's on-air opinion. That episode, is it not epically, like, great? Oh, it's fantastic. Chad is always fantastic. Like, you can't talk to Chad Austin and not be in a good mood. It is. It's a fantastic... He's so fucking good. People sleep on Chad so much. Shit. I- I'm going to put it like this. If you're sleeping on anything, Chad Austin, how the fuck do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> because if you're not intrigued by by his road stories, by his stories of what was actually going on during the time that he was in ECW, if you're not interested in... Well, no. Like, as, a, as a historian... If I come to him with Chad, I think I fancy myself a historian. And he'll be like, do you remember random guy from Portland? I'll be like, well, fuck. Thanks for fucking me in the ass as a historian, you motherfucker. <laughs> no lube, bitch. No lube. <laughs> I love that man. Yes. It, like, I'll put it like this. I had the pleasure of doing Mark Cindy Spotlight this week with Chad Austin. Which will be out Saturday for all you listeners to view. And I will say, out of all the the co-hosts, the spotlight, you know, who, who we spotlighted, Chad Austin has been my favorite. For one, because Chad Austin is not a dull motherfucker. And he's going to tell you exactly what's on his mind. And exactly what actually happened. You know, he's not going to, all right, well, I'm doing a interview for High Spots, so I'm going to have to, you know, spice this up a little bit and make it seem like it's something that it's not. <clears throat> Blooming. That's all I'm going to say. He doesn't so miss if, words at all. Right. If, if you want to know, Listen to Mark's in the spotlight this week. And as soon as we record it, listen to Aaron Maxson's The Year That Was. And if you're not listening to If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking, well, obviously you ain't never been in the kitchen. But I'm cooking cold. <laughs> it's, it's salami, damn it. It's salami. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure I was mentioned on, on Mark's in the spotlight by Chad. Because he and I have been feuding for over a year, which is fine. We finally uh, locked down our our match, which will be uh, on the book in the box of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. But Chad, you bought yourself another week because now with the uh, Hall of Shame, we're going to wait to do the book in the box. So I'll get you eventually, Chad. I'll give you a, a slight hint on the who my first induction into the Hall of Shame is. He's the not so Polish Hammer. <laughs> Ivan Pussy? <laughs> nope, but I mean, you're close to on the on the last name. <laughs> Aaron, plug your shit. Well, I don't think that this is the first time ever that my, um, well, I think this might be the first time ever that my plug is not going to be the longest one in the group. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> um, what I'll say is, um, Chad Austin, uh, lukewarm Chad Austin, 
is... And, and that is where I had the problem, because he was the original Stone Cold, damn it. Yeah, but Chad is a great guest and a great dude to talk to, um, which all of you are. Um, but if you guys want to listen to good shows that don't have a lot of um, bullshit behind them and they're just guys talking, having a good time, listen to everybody's shows, listen to Nate's show, um, Slice of Time, obviously the We Can't Wrestle podcast that you guys are listening to now, um, Mark's um, Indie Spotlight, Archie's If You Smell What The Archie's Cooking, um, David Gold has um, his show on Golden here. Voices, Golden Voices, all that shit. It's just just listen to it, have a good time, and join our Facebook group. And when you get on there, don't be a dick. Um, just have a good time. If not, you'll get booted by Aaron. I will beat your fucking ass. <laughs> I will scrub. Don't be a prick. If you're gonna be a prick, do not. I will Benoit scrub you if you oh, be God. a fucking asshole. That's what I <laughs> Aaron's doing a bad Sean Bossman. If Sean Bossman is listening, stop listening. Two and a half hours in, this shit just got real. He's the only guy that I don't want to listen to any of our shit. Sean Bossman, please don't listen to We Can't Wrestle. Please don't listen to <laughs> Look at night. Look at night. I swear you better put these damn Next live. Nate's gonna look at views and be like, why are we doing this? Because the reaction is fucking timeless. Nate's gonna look at views next week and be like, why are we out? Why are we down forty percent? What happened? Sean Bossman <laughs> his friends. Sean Bossman, please don't listen to Indie Spotlight. Sean Bossman, please don't listen to Reliving the Extreme. Sean Bossman, just don't listen to anything. <laughs> Talking about a motherfucker getting called out. Jesus. He just cut the promo of the century. <laughs> do not even listen to oncoming traffic because nobody wants you around. Don't listen. Just walk into it. Just walk right into it. <laughs> even your family doesn't love you. Oh, God. But everybody... <laughs> Else, <laughs> but everybody else, but everybody else's name that is not Sean Bossman. Thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. I appreciate it. But Sean that, Bossman, that made me laugh way too hard from such a good place. Sean Bossman, <laughs> you can eat a big bag of pig dicks because nobody loves pig dicks. And, no. and the, the best part about it is, is Nate is not even surprised by none of this. Nope. <laughs> his and he knows what's up. Falling a night. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to get worse. I hope you have a terrible birthday. <laughs> Fuck stick. Damn, it's like you really did the research to find out when his birthday is and if it's coming soon. I scrub you. <laughs> Anybody else? Aaron? Aaron? Huh? You nailed it. 
it's not the way the choke looks real, but it's really. <laughs> I hate that guy. We want to wait. <laughs> we want to sh- <laughs> wish everybody a great week. Except, Except you, boss man. Fuck you, boss man. You gotta yeah, say, boss man. Boss man. Sean, boss man. Nate, if you don't like boss man. boss man theme, that's ridiculous. If you're ever down in Georgia. <laughs> Listen, we went way too long on this shit, but I promise you. It's worth it. It's fucking worth it. Definitely. Archie, shut the fuck up. Let me try this. I've heard that way too many times before. Shut the fuck up. Sean Bossman, fuck you and your entire family. (laughs) That's like the El Gigante promo. What are you talking about, Ric Flair? Kill you. I'm gonna kill you. John <laughs> Boss, man. I kill you. I, I kill, kill you. you. This, is, this is how you know I listen back to every episode, no right. matter what. Right. Sean Boss, man. I strangle you with Kmart bag. <laughs> A reusable Kmart bag. Right. Sean Bossman, I suffocate you with reusable Aldi's bag. Why is he cooking monster all of a sudden? (laughs) (laughs) He went from nails to cooking monster. What happened? Holy shit, dude. We literally almost hit three hours. Like, literally, we're only a quarter hour shot. Wouldn't be the first time. Sean Boston. Listen, Nate, Nate's going to be like, yeah, damn that initial one. We're going to run away. This one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not editing shit out of this. No, just go. <laughs> I'm just going to use my But Archie. Voice. I'm yes. just going to use my regular voice. Sean Bossman, fuck off. Don't forget, Nate. Don't leave. I got good shit in here. And Archie? Oh shit! Is 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 Mark going to show us what was in the Mano- the Malona? I can't speak. Holy shit! What the Blah, fuck are you watching? No. <laughs> um, what do you call those envelopes? Manila. Manila? He was trying yeah. to say Manila, but he said Manila. Manila. Manila envelope. Manolo. Is that what Baby Doll had? No, this is even better than what Baby Doll had. Okay. Take us home, Nate. Nate, you need no, to no, 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 no. This show has gone far too long, and Archie, you are the probably the only sober one left. Yes. Damn it, Archie! What are you doing wrong in your life? So for uh, this the heart week, medication. Can't drink. So one. for this week, <laughs> as a special award for best host. On the WrestleNet Radio podcast, well, the one that's least likely to blow an illegal on a Phil uh, sobriety test. Uh, guess what? Guess what? When we do the Hall of Shame, you know they have the Warrior Award. 
We're going to name it in Archie's honor, and it's going to be the Tenta. I was going to say the Sober Award. Tenta Award. You see, I'm fucking award. <laughs> it is, baby! Not by Arch- choice. Perfect. Archie Mitchell, sign us off this Thank you all for joining us. Have a great night. Thank you for putting up with our loud mouthedness and our dying on hills for Terry Taylor and Tony Anthony. And Sean Bossman, suck a dick. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>